It's after the holidays. You probably got a lot of new games, didn't you? Come on. You know you got some. No, not really, Marty. I didn't get a whole lot of new games, but you know what I would have wished for? What's that? A new topper for my coffee table. That's what I would have wished for. Where would you get that topper, Tony? Probably at a site called Game Toppers. Yes, you would. From GameToppersLLC.com, where they have these custom game toppers that you can put on top of your coffee table or on top of your dining room table, and it turns your conventional table into a full gaming table. Did you know that, Tony? I did not know that. You know what else you I know? You did, too. Oh, don't yeah, don't fly. You knew it. I did know it, but I also know that you can pick up some really cool neoprene foamy mats that you can also cover your table with. Actually, I need to order one of those myself because uh, my felt on my table is all messed up. So maybe I need to order a special RDT in one. There you go. Get you one. Get a big squirrel in the middle. Be distracting from the game. But that's over at GameToppersLLC.com. Hey, y'all. It's time for Rolling Dice and Taking Names' first episode of the 20s. And today, the guys talk about all the games they played over the holidays. They also interview Rob Davio and Justin Jacobson from Restoration Games to tell us about a remake of the classic 80s game, Dark Tower. Is that why you're dressed like the 80s? You know I totally dress like this all the time. Hello and welcome to the first episode of RDTN in a new decade. This is episode 189, Along the Watchtower. I'm Marty. And I'm Tony. Tony, we've had a bit of a hiatus. We skipped our last release date, so it's been a month since we put out a brand new podcast. And I bet a lot of people, Tony, were just hoping that maybe we were done. It was 2019. You guys just need to stop. Don't go into the new decade. So they probably were like... Ah, they didn't release a regular schedule episode, so I, they're over with. But but we came back. We came back. We found out that, first off, I thought I was going to be in a hotel recording tonight, but they did not move everything out of the house to do the big fix. So I am actually sitting in my house for the big move tomorrow, Marty, and then we will be coming live from the hotel. Well, live when we record. And for people who don't know what he's referring to, Tony's has some issues with his house and is going to have to live temporarily in a re- as a what is a residence in residence in that's it for four to six weeks is that correct <sighs> maybe longer we'll see <sighs> but yeah, I, I gotta be positive about this marty because we just came out of the holidays it mm-hmm. was a nice time to recharge our batteries get focused again on what we're going to be doing in 2020 and i know for this show marty we're going to start off on a high note Oh, yes, we are. We love talking to designers about some big upcoming games. And Tony, there's nothing bigger that could have been asked for from Restoration Games than the return of the Dark Tower. Tony, remember that game from like the early 80s where it had that big tower in the middle of the table? I do remember it, even though I never got to play it. I remember it. I remember the commercials. I'm, oh, man. I was like, oh, man, I always wanted to play that. But I got Stop Thief instead. Well, a lot of people have been asking for that game. And and the guys over at Restoration uh, have finally decided, you know what? Let's bring that out. And that's what we're going to be having them come on today. Justin Jacobson and Rob Davio from restoration games talk about the brand new kickstarter return to dark towers i can't wait to hear all about that game a little bit of nostalgia coming back oh and and can't uh, make sure to give credit to isaac childress who also co-designed this game and tony you may have heard of him from that little game what's it called uh... i thought it was uh founders of gloomhaven <laughs> 
Well, as this follow-up to, yes, uh, his uh, masterpiece, his monster release of Gloomhaven. And you just recently talked about a game that he is working on for mass retail, a skinny-down version, a Mm calorie-reduced, a thin version of Gloomhaven. Is that right? That is absolutely right. So that's really cool. If you don't want to jump into the big beast that's the full Gloomhaven, he's going to cut down the experience to a little bit more manageable, appetizable portion so that you can just get it out on the table. There's no map tiles or anything like that. You you flip through a book, all the maps are in the book. Uh, easy to play. It plays just like pretty much like regular Gloomhaven, except easier to get out on the table and it's a shorter campaign. So it's gonna it's gonna be a huge success. Of course it is. Now Marty, um, you know, we joke about the fact that I have not gotten mine removed from the shrink yet, my Gloomhaven. Right. But a listener of our show, Kevin Barrett, he's been playing a lot of it. He was talking with me about it, but he had a little incident. Uh Uh-oh. One of his new puppies just happened to get a few pieces of Gloomhaven, his brand new copy. He had it out and the puppy chewed on some chits. Marty, once again, that is why mine is still sealed. Even though I don't have a dog, I don't have to worry about anything getting messed up. That's the reason why I haven't broken that puppy out yet. I totally get that. But I did have a chance to finally learn how to play the game over at BGG Con. I got to play this new version. And I must say, it's a it's a really cool dungeon crawler with some really cool mechanics. So anyway, he and Rob Davio teamed up uh, to redo Return to Dark Tower. So we're going to be talking uh, to them in a bit. So Tony, we got through the holidays with New Year's and Christmas. Did... I know you've been crazy packing and everything. Did you get a chance to even play anything? Uh, let's see. We I, uh, we sat down and we're going to be talking about Iris Gage. Donna, Rebecca, and I played Iris Gage, so we played that. Yeah, well, let's night. go ahead and talk about it. Go ahead, do well, it. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. that game's from Capstone. Yes, it is. It's a train game. It is. It's actually kind of an entry level train game, right? It's it's kind of like it plays almost, I guess, forty five minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, it uh, it's from um the art. Number one, I love the artwork. It's from Ian O'Toole. Uh, but this is a, a new series of games that Capstone is going to be releasing, all based on train theme games. And Capstone just announced their second in the series that's going to be coming. It re- kind of reminds me of the Century Spice trilogy, you know, where he starts out with kind of a very simple game, and over the course of the trilogy, they got more complex. And I wonder if that's the way they're going here, because Irish Gage uh, is a is a quick, fun, economic uh, train game. I would agree with you. I f- I view this as a game, a really, really beginner's game to those type of games that could lead to age of steam railways of the world because at, you know you've got stocks you've got to build trains it's real base level and so it's not a heavy one i think it is a great low level game yeah it's one of those things that you know you ask some auctioning because you auction for a uh, shares of stock and then what you try to do is you want to try to create connections between cities with a particular type of train line that you have stock in. And then uh, on your turn, one of the things you can do is you can draw cubes from a bag that will tell you what trains are going to pay dividends. And based on what color cubes come out, if you own shares of trains that actually connect some of those cities with some of those cubes you drew from the bag, hey, you got you got to share that train line, you get some money. And the whole goal is try to get the most money by the end of the game. Again, it's a basic concept. But like you said, I think it's a great way to kind of get into the whole concept of owning different shares of stock and some auction mechanics and some building some train lines. Part of the strategy is realizing what cubes have a better chance of coming out of the bag. So you may want to look at, should I go ahead and try to auction out for those stocks sooner than later? Figure out in those costs. You know, Marty, for me, I, I enjoyed the game. It was 
fine, but I've got so many other games like Whistlestop and things like that. You know, it's, it would be competing with those for me. And that's why I say if you're just kind of wanting to dip your toes in train games, I think this is a good, uh, definitely an intro uh, uh, to it. And like you said, there are some cool decisions you have to make because one of the things you can do on your turn is you can take one of those colored cubes uh, that's uh, that will cause uh, dividends to pay and put them on the cities. But if you're taking those cubes out of the bag you're drawing from, so that's just less of a chance that that color is end up paying out over the course of the game. I will say I did not like it with the three players. You, uh, myself, Fred, and... Um, you, you, myself, and Fred. That's yeah. three people. See, that's what happens when you go on a fine sabbatical from podcasting. <laughs> you completely lose it all, but not that we ever had it. But So when it was just Donna, Rebecca, and I, three people, I, I didn't feel the tension in the game but when it was you me fred and barney because we're not supposed to be using our people because we'll forget who we played with and then we have to apologize <laughs> and we apologize enough on the show that's exactly exactly right i felt a better play occurred with four players i don't know why yeah. i felt there was a little bit more tension in it a little bit more auction tension oh uh, yeah but definitely because uh with the three players i found that hey sometimes you can just have more money than the other two people and kind of get what you want there's probably not that case with four players. You're probably going to end up being bidding against somebody else. So four players, I definitely think is the way to play. And it really didn't add a lot of time between three and four players. So that was our stage. Another one I got to play over Christmas was one called Little Devils from Stronghold. Mm. You know, I love my card games. I talk about this. One of my favorites is Six Nipped. You know that game, Marty, where you have... I sure do. The cows or the bulls. The bulls, yep. Mm-hmm. yep. Well, now you're dealing with devils. So in this game, and in McCree fashion, I screwed up one of the beginning rules, but we fixed it later. An interesting mechanism, and this is a very good game with six players. Very good. One, of my, one um, This is going to come out. Anytime I've got six, this game will be out there. But once again, the, fir- the player plays a card. The next player to their left determines whether you are going to go in ascending or descending from that number played by the person who started it. And if you're going in descending order, the person that is the lowest person is going to end up taking that trick. Okay. And the person with the least amount of devils is the winner at the end. If you're ascending, the person with the highest number that's played will take that. So you don't want to take tricks. And if you cannot play either ascending or descending as determined by that one player, then you have to play what's in your hand and you play, I'm descending and I play a card that's higher. I automatically get that trick unless someone else can't play the correct direction. Miniature market, it was on sale. I am so happy. We, we talked about it over in the pod pledge channel. I picked that one up. I took it to St. Croix where we were on vacation and we had a blast. Everybody really enjoyed that game. And this is from Stronghold? Yep, Stronghold. And what's it called again? Little Devils. Little Devils. Has that been out for a while or is that it a has. newer game? It has okay. been out for a while. Um, like I said, it was on sale one of the miniature market, 70%, 60%, 50%. He had them on sale. So. <laughs> but it's still available is what you're saying. It's not like out of print. Still available. And if you're looking for that, seriously, six-player game. This this was a solid six-player game. Really enjoyed it. Uh, well, here's a game that's not available yet, but, but will be coming in late February. And that's from Osprey Games. And it's called Letterpress. Now, when I first saw this, Tony, this is a little small box game. It retails for uh, $21. That's the MSRP. And uh, basically, you're trying to spell words. And I thought, okay, well, how is this different than any other game where I'm trying to spell words? It is a little bit different in that, number one, there's a drafting mechanic. 
So you have a hand of cards at the beginning. Each card has a, a letter on it. You're going to take a letter and pass it to the person to your left. And you're going to keep doing that till you have five letters in your hand. And you're going to try to form a word with it. Oh, okay. I mean, that's pretty straightforward so mm -hmm. far, right? In the middle of the table, at the beginning of the turn, there's three random letters put in the middle of the table and two vowels. Those are for everybody. So if you want to, you can take any combination of the letters in your hand with any combination of the letters on the table and create a word. So one at a time, everybody shows their word. And the, each letter has, like in Scrabble, has uh, values uh, to each of the letters. And you try to score the most points by the, the word that you have. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the, the higher scoring point will win that round. Now, there's also these other things where you can try to get achievements. It may say, uh, if you use three three le uh, three value letters, or there's all these little achievements each round that you can try to get. And if you do, then you can get some extra points. But anyway, here's what's in interesting. You don't keep score round to round. What you do is, depending on how you finished, the player who finished first or highest gets to draft two letters from any letter that's on the table, from your from what you played to what anybody else has played or that common market in the middle. You take those two letters and you put them aside to use later in the game. Mm -hmm. Now, you could also claim one of those achievements too, which also can give you some extra points. But then in descending order, everybody else will get to draft letters. You pull up all the cards and you do that again. And you do that for four rounds. So in the fifth round, you've accumulated a set of letters and from those letters, if accumulated over the course of the game, you try to create the highest scoring word that you can. The person who scores the highest wins. So I'm going to make sure I understand listening check here. So from the, the letters that I have gotten over the rounds, I also now am trying to create a word that gives me the highest score at the end. Yeah. The fifth round, there's no drafting or anything. You just take the letters that you've accumulated over the course of the game and try to create the best word that you can. So over the course of the game, you're trying to come up with the word that you think you can create at the end and hope you can get the letters that you need for it. That's a lot of memory. Well, no, no. You can always look at the letters that you have. You can always see what you have. and But the thing is, though, is you kind of have to change. It's like, well, I'm going to try to make the word mouse. And by the third round, you realize I, I can't get a U. So then it's like, well, I need to change. Maybe from these letters that I've already accumulated, I can draft these two and make a different word. So you've got to always kind of stay on your toes. And hopefully by the fifth round, you've got a high scoring word that you can create. This game is one of those games I think for me is would be frustrating because I'm a terrible speller, but I would have a blast because I see myself hate drafting. Oh, yeah, because uh, th there's some letters that are worth more than others, right? So their uh, uh, QU is always together on a card, but it's a it high value be, one. Yeah. So you might like, well, I'm going to draft that. And then, you know, that's why you want to try to finish as high as you can each round. So you got the first choice of letters that are on the table. Okay. I'm, I'm yeah. with you. I'm like it. And I like the flop. You got the the flop at the beginning. Yep. So there you go. Your Texas Hold'em reference. Okay. All right. Well, yeah. well, if we ever see each other again, maybe you can bring that one. And there was another drafting, uh, no, trick-taking game you said you wanted me to play that you mentioned on a previous show that my mind completely went blank. Time Chase. Time Chase. From Renegade Games. Mm -hmm. Yep. Mm -hmm. I ain't seen that one yet. But then again... Again, you know, hey, we took a sabbatical from one another. <laughs> we did. We hadn't seen each other in a while. We did see each other last week, and we did get to play another card game, though. It wasn't uh, wasn't a trick-taking game, though. When you first mentioned it to me, I thought back to the game we talked about previously by Tom Lehman, The City. Yes. It very much reminds me of The City. Mm -hmm. So I was like, 
another one in this? Is it, is it going to bring a different feel, nature? And it is. It is completely different. And the name of this game is... Oh, thanks a lot. It's <laughs> Town Builder colon Covorden, C-O-E-V-O-R-D-E-N. We're just going to call it Town Builder. There you go. <laughs> this was from First Fish Games, and I saw this at Origins last year. They had a small booth. And this booth was just buzzing. People really, really wanted this game. And I like tend to like engine builders. And I like uh, games that have multi-use cards. And that's exactly what you have with this game. Because on your turn, you could do one of three things. You've got five cards in the middle of the table that are different buildings that you can build over the course of the game. You can take one of those cards and say, I'm going to actually try to build this building over time. And you set it up as what they call a foundation. You get to take two actions on your turn. So your next action could be, well, let me look at this card. This card says, I need some wheat and some wood. Each one of the building cards also at the bottom of the card has some sort of resource associated with it. Stone, wood, wheat, or gold. And you can draft that card and then use it as a resource. And once you get enough resources to build that particular building, you turn it face up and then it's active for you. And then it becomes, well, number one, it scores you victory points, which is the whole goal of the game. But it also can give you some abilities over the course of the game. Maybe you can somehow get an extra action, etc. And the last thing that you can do is I mentioned one of the resources is gold. You can take a card that has a gold on the bottom of it and put it under your town crest because some of the buildings, in order to get them into play, in order to build them, actually have a gold cost to them. It says most of them are free. You just take it and you can build it with the right number of resources. But some of them say, well, you have to spend a gold or two gold in order to even get this one to even start building it. So that's what you want to use the gold for. Well, over the course of the game, you're going to try to build as many buildings as you can and get the most points as you can. You've got random judges that come out over the course of the game that will have in-game scoring. It may be like, hey, the person with the most blue buildings gets two points. The person with the most red buildings gets two points. It's a light game, right, Tony? I mean, it's it, it plays quick. It's easy to teach. It's easy to set up, but it's just a little light engine building game. That's it. Plain, simple. It's, it's quick. Um, I mean, when you first plop that thing down on the table, I was like, God, that's a lot of cards. How many times do we go through these cards? Three times. Three times through the oh deck. Oh my yep. gosh. I'm like, we'll, ne- we'll be here all night. The first round quickly takes the cards and I swear, cut it to half. The third round flew. We realized, holy crap, there's so few cards left in the deck because everybody now has them in front of them. They're using them as resources or buildings or whatever. So the game speeds up each round as you go. Right. And like you said, the judges that come out or the way you're going to score victory points, I like the mechanic of where you know one of them. The other one comes out halfway through the first round. The other one comes out at the final card of the first round. So Mm -hmm. you really don't know what you need to work towards until you get to that end card. And the special abilities break certain things. All that comes together for a really, like you said, fast hitting, fun game that you can get on the table while you're waiting for people. I'd be interested to see how this plays with three or two people. Yeah, it plays from one to four players. There's a solo mm-hmm. mode to it, but it probably plays, I don't know, we played about 30 to 45 minutes, something like that. It, it went really quick. Oh, there's also a couple awards at the beginning of the game that you can claim. Uh, the awards would be like, I think you claim one, Tony, or something like, I have like, is either like four or five cards with no abilities on them, right. and you get to claim an award which you could turn in for victory points at the end of the game. Now that rule threw me off. Oh, yeah. So if I'm the first player, I've got the turn stick, and I'm the first player, and I didn't claim that award. If the next player claims it, 
I don't get a cho- shot at it, but everybody else does. But that's one thing I actually kind of like. It's not like you can steal it from somebody else. Mm-hmm. Let's say I claim it. The next two people that go after me, they have a chance to claim it too, and we all get the reward. Unless you're the first player who did Unless you're the first player who missed the opportunity to do it, yeah. But anyway, it's a light card game. Um, it plays quick. It does remind me of uh, the, the town. Was it the town or the city? The city. By Tom Lehman. It reminded me a lot of that. Um, they're very similar, but I do like the multi-use cards where the card is either a building or it's a type of resource. I'd like to see it with smaller counts. I know, like you said, just to see how it plays. With four, it was fun and it was very fast. Mm-hmm. So usually when you get to smaller numbers, sometimes it slows down, but it'd be interesting to see. Well, the number of times you go through the deck will decrease if you if the numbers drop. Mm, okay, I understand. And so again, that's Town Builder Covorden, C-O-E-V-O-R-D-E-N from First Fish Games. Now, Marty, I know we've got some special guests who are getting ready to come on to the show here, but I got to mm-hmm. bring up one thing because I, for these gentlemen, it might be important for them to know this too. This winter, I was looking at my hands. And I'm like talking to my wife. This is kind of sad. We're, we're getting older, dude. Sweet, what is wrong with my hands here? She goes, what do you mean? I said, feel how rough they are. She goes, you need to, you need to put some lotion on. Never in my life. Now, I know you're a man who uses chapstick. <laughs> I have an addiction. If there's an addiction to anything that this guy has, it is chapstick, and I've had it since I was in high school, but yes. Yes, I've known you for a long time, and I understand that. And that, that can be, but also half and half tea from McDonald's So yeah. for you. But it, anyway, I was just like, and she was laughing at me. And I go, what do you mean I need lotion? She goes, well, you're at that age now where your skin may not be as, it may be drier than it should be. She's being gentle with me saying, you've gotten old and flaky. Well, no, it's it's wintertime, dude. It's dry. You know, you're you're in a uh, gas-heated uh, house. No, where I'm it's, not. It, oh, it's electric? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, never mind. So she rubs this stuff on me. It hurt. The lotion hurt. My hands were so dry. You don't. You know how you don't realize something until it happens. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I can relate to it like this: if your lips are chapped really bad, mm-hmm. and then you go put like Blistex on them, it burns. Yes. Maybe it's that sort of thing. Okay, exactly. And she's she's laughing at me, and she goes, "You really need to start." I'm like, "I don't want to get old." So you need to moisturize, is what I'm hearing. Moisturize. Mm-hmm. Do you need to start going after the elbows, maybe the knees or anything like that? Probably the shins could could use a little lotion. Yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking so. What kind what kind of lotion do you use over there? Is it is is it just like a Jorgens or is it like a special Ooh. bath and body lotion? No, it's it's the medicated Lubiderm. Oh, nice. Yeah, I know. We don't we don't we may be cheap in this household, but we ain't cheap on our hygiene. Let me tell you that right now. Does it have some CBD in it? Everything has CBD in it now. That is legal in North Carolina. Just don't carry well, it across. It's the- legal everywhere. Is it just me? Or does like every place sell some sort of CBD product now? No kidding. I drove by a nursery the other day where I buy my pine straw. They have a sign out front that says we sell CBD. I'm like, why? You sell plants and pine straw. Why are you selling CBD? Because they can, man. And it's in everything. Well, I, what is it? Going to the game store, going down the road that leads to the game store on 521 near the Arby's. I'm surprised Arby's doesn't have a sign up that mentions it now with their plant-based products. But anyway, there's a there's a sleep store. 
I think the mattress is CBD. I don't know. There's signs everywhere. You're right. It's ridiculous. <laughs> you, you can ingest it. You rub it on yourself. You. It's like it's like a miracle drug or something like that. Before the boys get anxious, we've got Rob, Justin waiting over here. I know before we go down that rabbit hole, I'm sure Rob is going to take us somewhere else on a culinary track because you just mentioned ingestion. So what do you say we get over and hear about Return to the Diet Tower Kickstarter that's getting ready to happen for Restoration Games. So I know you got a few new games over the holidays. You took them apart, you played them, and then in the madness that was going on, you just threw them back in the box. And now you open that box and you're like, oh, what a mess. Well, you can correct that mess if you head over to thebrokentoken.com. They've got the organizer you need for that new game. They might even have an organizer for a game that you haven't even got yet. Matter of fact, I know they do. Why don't you go ahead and purchase that to give you incentive to get that game you didn't get for the holidays? That's right. Head over to thebrokentoken.com for all your insert needs. so happy to have back on the show the brains behind restoration games justin how you doing oh snap ouch and wait a minute hold on you didn't let me finish and okay the talent the name the man who has accolades who can be quoted from a book which i did last time he was on here rob davio hello when you set up the joke, I was wondering who was going to get the, you know, stuck as the punchline on the first half. Like, oh, it's me. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, you just usually have the quick ones back to me. I was, I had a retort and then, you know, Marty ju- jumped in and I was like, okay, I'm not going to step on his line. I'm a professional. <laughs> well, that's, that's new around here because we're not used to that. <laughs> and before we get too deep into this, are we sure like everybody's recording this time? Because uh, what was it last year, the year before last, we did a whole interview and Justin had technical issues, and we, we got to do it again. We love spending time with you, but it was a lot of pressure on me as the editor. It was fine. I'm recording. Yeah. Justin, Justin, you look a little fatigued there, man. How'd that trip to Hawaii go? Oh, the trip was great. It's the getting ready for the Kickstarter that <laughs> will put a drain on you. <laughs> no, I was tan ready and rested when I got back, and uh, it literally took 24 hours of Kickstarter prep to suck all that away. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I woke up at um, 4.30 this morning and my brain started racing and I've been at my desk since five. So here we are 14 and a half hours later. I did make a pizza in between. Ooh. Okay. All right. So I assume you just didn't throw a tatinas in the oven, right? I started making the dough yesterday and let it do a slow rise in the yeah, proof in the fridge. It was a deep dish pizza. It was delicious. Nice. Cooked in a cast iron skillet. It was great. Oh, did you do your own sauce? I didn't because I had a little jar of sauce in the fridge that I wanted to use up. But the trick was, it's from this month's cooks or last month's cooks illustrated, is you take the shredded cheese and you put it, you press it around the inside of the cast iron pan. So it basically fries, you know, like those crispies mm-hmm. that fall off a of grilled cheese and cook on there. The whole outside of the pizza is just that like thick crust. I think that's called like Detroit style or that is Milwaukee that it, style or something. No, like Detroit. It, it is okay. Detroit style. Wait a minute. I didn't know this. So Detroit has a style of pizza. I've heard Chicago and New York. Yeah, shit. What is Detroit? It's deep dish, but it's got that crispy. I, I can't remember the name of it. I want to say Striga, but that's the name of one of the monsters <laughs> in, in Return uh, to Dark Tower. 
I hope it does not have Striga in the piece. No, it's, it's <laughs> so. Wait a minute. There, there's a magazine called Cooks Illustrated. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Is is there like a s- annual swimsuit issue? <laughs> I hope not. There's an annual tuber issue. Ooh. <laughs> Gorgeous magazine. I've my aunt will share them with me periodically. But so the cast share with you periodically. I get it because <laughs> it's a periodical. See, see what we did. It's 2020, y'all. Woo, we're in here hot. It's been three weeks since we recorded. We're fresh. Well, well, that's why we brought on Rob and Justin. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> that's typical on this show. Um, so, but this um, cast iron skillet that you have, how big is it? Do I mean, is it do does it do the chicken, the steaks? Yeah, it's it's 12, 12 inch diameter, very very nicely seasoned. And Justin, we'll bring you back on because I have one more. Oh, what what we got a Chianti? Some fa- uh uh-uh. no, an Oregon Pinot Noir. I like the cold climate reds. At some point, we'll talk about games, but I, I got to live up to my reputation. <laughs> Today be, is not that day. Is to be an Epicurean, just this guy lounging about drinking wine and making pizza. You're looking at the 20 minutes of my day. I wasn't at my desk editing rules and like checking bill of materials for the 19th time. Have, have you ever done a, it's called, it seems to be catching on, it has down here, the reverse sear on a steak. I taught you that. That's what I thought. Oh my gosh, you forgot that? That's one of the first things he ever told us. But it took forever for it to get down here. Some guy was asking about it. I go, I've heard this. Yeah. It's just been a while. That was like three years ago or something. Yeah, it's it's been a while. You know, we're getting old, y'all. And by the way, I also want to say that uh, Rob, I know you've been making the rounds on other podcasts, and that's another reason why we want to have you on because we want to have you with your peers. Because we know you were feeling super old with all these other people, so we wanted to make you feel like a young man with us. Thank you. I'm not the youngest one here. That's that's Justin, I believe. But <laughs> yeah, by a month or so. I think. Yeah, uh, yeah, two months. This is the big year for Rob and I, though. Yeah. 50. Woo! How are you going to celebrate? How are you going to do it? You going to do anything big? Like a colonoscopy? Uh, well, that that <laughs> that that is on the agenda. I went to see the doctor in October. He goes, oh, we'll schedule your your next checkup in April. Oh, you'll be 50. We'll just talk about your colonoscopy then. Happy birthday. I'm like, thanks. That was the first birthday wish I got was my doctor. <laughs> I'm doing a rolling year-long jubilee of food excess. Every time I go to a city for a convention or travel or something, I try to find a dumb, stupid you know, over-the-top restaurant and eat there. So I did it at PAX Unplugged. I did it at BGG Con. I'm doing it at New York Toy Fair. I'll be in San Francisco Wednesday, Thursday. I'm doing it Thursday there. Yeah, I was going to say, on a serious note, uh, I have ulcerative colitis and uh, had my first colonoscopy in my 20s. And I will say this, though. It's not that bad, people. It's a a running joke. I get it. But uh, don't be afraid to get your colonoscopies because it can save your life. (laughs) Okay. Have you had one before, Rob? Uh, just for fun. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, I understand. <laughs> I have had six. Uh, I, I have not had one. Being a type 1 diabetic, uh, there is a, it's a little more complicated to uh, to prep for. This oh. is the least interesting gaming podcast episode. We did it, guys. We did it. This is men in their 50s talk about colonoscopies. <laughs> we did it. Drop the mic. It doesn't get any better than this. <laughs> we can go ahead and stop. This is the only episode for the year. We don't need any more. <laughs> nope. We have we have done everything we set out to do and then some. So for my, my I think my fiftieth is going to look, look a lot like my bachelor party, which will basically be uh, me having the guys over and playing board games all night. Roll for initiative. <laughs> so yeah, for real, um, I'm pretty sure that's what it's going to end up being. There's nothing wrong with that. Do not try to out, you know. Do, you're not a young man anymore. Don't think you can just go out and drink people under the table. Well, I don't drink either, but. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I mean, I, if you're talking about Diet Coke, then yes, moderation is the key. <laughs> hey guys, the content's not getting any better. Do you not like Coke Zero? I don't mind Coke Zero, but I prefer Diet Coke because I've been drinking okay. it since I was oh, before, long before Coke Zero ever existed. So. When do we start showing each other our moles? Like, what is? Where does this? <laughs> well, hold on, I've got this weird one yeah, up there okay. on my right shoulder. Where does this end, dude? You've been on here before. <laughs> It's too bad you didn't hear the intro because I, I was talking to Marty about having to moisturize now. So anyway. <laughs> yep. Oh, well, I, we hit rock bottom. We started digging. Here we go. We can we can go lower. Okay. Uh, okay. Okay. All right. Fine. Fine. So you guys are on here because on the 14th of January, you're going to be launching a huge Kickstarter, a game that I know that people have been asking for for year years and that is a remake of the hit from the i guess it was at the 80s late 70s 80s 80, 81 81 dark tower and you're coming out with a new version called return to dark tower this is a technical feat right here for a board game so if you want to give us some background on the game the history of this game and what y'all all have done with it and where you're going to be where you're going to be going with it yeah, floor is yours. Sure. Um, yeah, this one's an interesting one because it's such a sort of an iconic touchstone for a lot of people, um, certainly of my age. Uh, but uh, beyond that, even even for people who don't know it, just conceptually, it's one of those ones when we look back, you know, we're very old at this point. It's 40 years old, but it stands out just because it was so unique at the time. It had this huge electronic tower that sat in the middle of the game board and basically ran a, an adventure game for you, which at the time was mind-blowing. And so for us, so some of our games, we queue very close to the rules and you know maybe we're just updating art and things like that. Sometimes it's just adding a, a little, little more depth to it or something like that or tweaking something here or there. This one was very different, um, even, more, even more so than Fireball Island, I would say, in that the, like, the mechanics were not really linked to the hook, right? The hook is the big electronic tower and the mechanics were sort of just filtered through it, but they weren't integral to the game. And so for us, it was just about recreating that wow moment, if you will. And I, Rob can talk more about that, but it's something we knew just because it was so unique at the time and even still standing out today for, you know, these we have done, we did Stop Thief, which had an electronic component, but this was sort of like, the king of the hill for as far as that stuff goes for anything around that era. And since really, I mean, there's never been anything like it. So which one came first? Stop Thief or Dark Terror? It was Stop Thief, wasn't Stop it? Stop Thief. Stop Thief was in 79. And then Mattel uh, handheld electronics. See, you're in our wheelhouse now, guys. Yeah, like the handheld electronic football is about the same time. The the uh, Dungeons and Dragons uh, Labyrinth game came out right around the same. I think it was, might even been the same Christmas as Dark Tower. Uh, that's another cool one, just in a different way. Not not quite as good, I don't think, but <laughs> opinions will vary, I suppose. Yeah, no, Return to Dark Tower is one of these games. It, it came out and it did a whole bunch of things that board games really didn't do ahead of time. There had been some electronic in games like Stop Thief, but this was a spectacle. It had this tower in the middle, it had rotating drums, it was putting on a slideshow, it played sounds, and it kept track of your inventory. It knew like what items you had, how many warriors you had, how much food you had. It knew what kingdom you were in, if you had found these keys on a quest, and it would adjudicate battles. And when we moved into a new space, it basically was like a, an event deck. And it was a lot of things that could be done with pegs and 
paper and card decks and dice, but this was the first time that electronics were doing it. He had Orson Welles do the commercial. Yeah, he's not doing ours. Oh, oh that's a shame. For for reasons. And um <laughs> Well legal reasons. Yeah. Um yeah, br- yeah. We'll go with that. I mean it would technically be illegal if we got him out to do it. That would be yeah. very illegal. <laughs> that would be very illegal. Um <laughs> what's that word? Exhume? Exhume. Yeah. Okay. yeah. <laughs> and it kind of came and went in a flash, and it was this thing that one kid had it, and it was like the the quest item that you'd have in the neighborhood, and you would go play it, and it sort of like just was this huge thing, and then it went away, but left this real long-lasting impression. It was one of our most requested games that we had. So did y'all get an original copy of the game to play test and kind of go from there? I had played it as a kid, and I got the game. There's app versions you can get. You just get okay. on, and so I played it a lot on the app, and I remember the game itself is like, $300 and it's like some of the lights aren't working and you know like there's a lot of caveats and some people of the team did get it like the person who was making the new tower bought an old one and then took it apart um, he put it back together and it still works but he wanted to say like how did they do this and what does the inside look like and what were the parameters so certain people had them but since I was mostly focusing on gameplay and had to play it as a kid I didn't need to drop like $400 for the real thing. What did this game sell for back in the 80s? It was like $80. It was, um, it's like, I I don't remember the exact number other than in today's dollars, it's 175. It was, it was quite a a big deal. High price point. I mentioned the Orson Welles, right? That was, that was pretty good. The Orson Welles (laughs) is good. I'm still kind of upset you're not getting him back for that. So you and uh, another designer, Isaac Childress. Up and coming, scrappy kid. He's going to make it soon. <laughs> yeah. If, if he could just get that one just game. That one he he game. just needs that just one that game. that one hit. He's just been grinding away, and he's like, you're going to break through, kid. <laughs> <laughs> How long have y'all been working on this? About forever. <laughs> uh, about three years, I think. Three years. I, it was announced. It was a Gen Con 2018. Yes. Yes, Gen- 2018. I don't know what year it is. Yes, Gen Con. We, so we started working in 2017, about three years ago. Wow. What? Wow. But now the rules are really updated from the original version. It doesn't play too much like the original, right? Because you gamified it a little bit more. Uh, yeah, we kept some ideas of like, if there's a tower in the middle, a round board, four kingdoms, and you're kind of going on quests, and you want to beat a bad guy, right? Like what they were doing in 1981 was what everyone was doing then. It was like relying on the D&D tropes. And we were like, we're not going to reinvent the, the basic idea of what you're doing, like thematically, but mechanically, we completely redid it. And if you're a fan of the original game, there's these little hallmarks that we've put in here and there. There's a scout and there's a bazaar and some of the places you can go and the people you met in the original are there. But other than that, it's it's a complete reboot. It's a redesign based on, all right, there's a mechanical tower. What does it do? Yeah, I mean, in the original game, you had to feed your warriors, which as I, I've been joking, like, if that's what you liked about the original, you know, you can play Agricola, <laughs> right? I mean... Yeah, uh, it's true. But I, I do think it's interesting. I was just talking with this uh, on BGG today about somebody that there is this sort of fundamental DNA about the way the first one played, where you're you are like going on this quest. You've got to find the keys and then get back and then assault the tower. Uh, and in the meantime, you've got to, oh, do I need, should I go get warriors now or should I go buy, you know, more food now or do I have time to go one more space? And then meanwhile, the other players are interposing these obstacles, you know, plagues and dragons and things like that, that are also, you know, putting up these roadblocks. And in some sort of general sense, we did keep that, that sort of dramatic arc, if you will. 
Except in this case, it's everybody against the tower. We just wanted to make the tower be the true villain. The tower is the one putting these obstacles in your way, and you're still making these choices about, do I have time to go do this thing, or can I go and advance my quest? The real difference is that the original game didn't really have much of a story. Uh, and it, like, it wasn't a very deep narrative, and we wanted to bring, I mean, you know, we got Rob Davio here, <laughs> Isaac Childress, right? You know, like, let's put a lot more story into this, and let's get a lot more theme into it, and uh, variety and detail and things like that, flavor. Um, and so that was, at its very core, that DNA, that sort of general dramatic arc, I still think is there. And I, I think, like, there's a lot of people who aren't happy, for example, that we went with a cooperative design, or it's not exactly like the original. They want to feed their warriors, whatever it is. But I think people who have played it have seen it, that there's sort of that general sense of the mission that is still carried through from the original. So Marty, is that true? You've played it. Um, I have played, but I never played the original. Okay, yeah. So I don't. I really don't have a, a way to uh, compare it. I know it's definitely a fully cooperative game. I played it at uh, BGG Con. Yeah, and it's changed about 10, 15%. You played the last of the easy version. Right. <laughs> I was like, you guys, you guys aren't breaking a sweat on this. And I went back to the team and I'm like, hit them harder, boys. <laughs> and now it's got like, it's got about a 10% win rate. We're going to dial that back in the final development, right? And stuff. But it's, uh, it was funny. We actually, we, we ended up uh, pulling out the win. I remember seeing a uh, Rob you the next day in the elevator and you went, yeah, uh, it's not as easy as it was now. We've already changed it. I, went, well, I don't need to play anymore. I've already beaten the I'm game. I'm undefeated. What do you? talking about <laughs> it's a really uh, a really cool co-op game and i was going to ask you know if if you want to kind of give an overview of all right so you're going on quests and everything but what does a player turn look like so when it's my turn what what do i get to do pretty simple each player has like a special thing they can do at the start of their turn right whether you're the brutal warlord or the offensive and you get this little power you can do then on your turn you get to move three spaces and do something cool and get something cool. So if you stop by a building, you get to get something. It might be warriors, it might be a potion or some gear. You might get a virtue, which is like leveling up. There's like a, a cheap version, then you can spend some of your spirit, which is like hero points to get the better version. And then you can do something cool, which is go on a quest, kill a foe, or cleanse the area of skulls, which we can get into a little bit more. And, th and that's about it. You can spend the spirit to double your move so you can go faster, You'll have different items that will let you do different combos, but that's kind of it. During a turn, during a month, which is about eight player turns, you have two quests that you need to do before the end of the month. So you've got about seven, eight, nine turns. It, it varies depending on the timer in the in the tower to get some stuff done. So you need to you have to like remove skulls from the world and kill foes so the world doesn't get out of control while trying to accomplish these quests, while not losing track of the main goal. Um, but your decision of what you have to do on a turn is fairly straightforward. Uh, it's just hard to do it super effectively without the tower winning. For some odd reason, I'm picturing Defenders of the Realm here, and I know it's not the same, but I guess that's where I, not having played Dark, the original Dark Tower, I keep drawing back from that, where I have that co-op sense of, you're saying cleanse the world, I had to cleanse the world in Defenders. Maybe they're too far removed games. Well, there's definitely some of that in there, or even Pandemic, if, or, if that's a title that people are more familiar with, you know, similar situation where there are these threats that are getting stronger and getting more prevalent that you have to manage while you're also trying to accomplish whatever your other goals may be in case of Pandemic, for example, curing the diseases. So there's that sort of fundamental cooperative, that sort of basic cooperative mechanic, right, of... We're working together. We've got something we've got to do. We've also got these problems we've got to deal with. And balancing those two, uh, two things 
What's interesting and fun about uh, Return to Dark Tower makes it different from those sorts of, I don't want to say typical, but other cooperative games is the tower and uh, related the app. So the game does use a companion app, free app to download. Uh, not available yet, though. Don't look for it. Are you a lawyer by any chance? <laughs> <laughs> it talks to the, so the, the app talks to the tower through Bluetooth. So the app knows what the tower is doing. The tower knows what the app is doing. It's a little bit more detailed than that. Rob can get into it in a minute. But it gives us uh, some variability that we can do. It lets us uh, obfuscate some things. So, for example, in Pandemic, you have this deck, right? You don't know when the epidemic is coming up, but you have a rough idea. Mm-hmm. But then as you play, you get that information. Well, with what we can do using this app uh, and the randomization of the tower is provide a lot more variability so that you can't just game the system you can't have that alpha player or the quarterback, right, saying, oh, you need to do this because this is going to happen now. And it's better if you spend this to do this because that's more efficient. There's no obvious solution. It's more about calculating your odds and uh, coming to a consensus on, like, who needs to do what, uh, given the current state of that board, which is constantly changing from turn to turn, but also from uh, game to game. Okay. Now, I appreciate that. That, that helps me understand you know, where the differences are. Because you're right, in Pandemic, I know if I'm going to lose or win, the farther down in that deck I get. Unlike Pandemic Legacy, where I have no clue if I'm going to lose or win, by the way. Incredible game, just pointing Thank that you. out. Thank you're you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I uh, just have to suck up there occasionally. <laughs> <laughs> now, you mentioned the companion app. Um, so when you go to do the quest and attack monsters and stuff, the companion app comes into play. So how does that work? All right, well... Let me tell you how what we wanted was a triangle. I sound like Phil Jackson, like man, you know, coaching the <laughs> Lakers. We wanted you to have triangle in one. Um, yeah, we wanted to have what's going on on the table. It's a tabletop game. We didn't want someone like pounding on an app while mm-hmm. they watched them, but we wanted to have the smarts that the original game had, which means we have an app. But then we wanted a physical tower. The tower can't just be a phone holder because then you just leave the tower and <laughs> you leave the tower in the box, right? And you're like, hey, it's dark tower. Where's the tower? Like it's just in the way. Um, so the tower is mechanical and the app is electronic and the gameplay is tangible and they're all sort of interacting with each other. At the start of the game, you will pick one of the allies, one of the sort of NPCs in the realm, in the Four Kingdoms, and they have a plan. I have a plan of how we're going to like get into the tower and beat the bad guy. And the bad guy is called the adversary. And then you pick an adversary. It might be someone who's trying to bring eternal winter or a plague across the land or a master assassin or a spawn from hell. You know, the usual bad guys. You know, who shows sure. who shows up that day? Oh, an empty tower. I'll move in. And and then there's a... Um, He's got squatter rights. What, yeah, what, what do you expect? Hey, try to get me out. And so the bad guy, the adversary, is waking the tower up. You got someone on the outside going, I got a plan how to fix this. We got about six months to do so before things get out of hand. And then there is like a bench of monsters that gets generated. We're going to take this monster, then this monster, and you don't know what they are from a larger pool. So you put those together and you've got a few thousand different combinations of sort of quests and, you know, things that you can do. And then you're off and running. So there is an event, basically an event deck that gets generated from all those parameters. And one of the ways, but being a digital event deck, we can add stuff and take stuff away. So if you fail a quest, the app can be like, oh, you failed a quest. Let me put these bad events in month three and month four and month five. Maybe next time you won't fail that quest. Or similarly, you recruit this other ally who's there like, hello, wizard, would you like to join me? And they're like, sure. And every once in a while, the app will interrupt you. It's like the wizard's like, hey, I got a spell I can cast for you if you'd like. 
So there's some fun stuff you can do there. You We can complete a quest and make all the undead monsters easier. You can fail a quest and spawn three more monsters. So there's some very interesting things you can do. And the way we do this is you, you take your turn and at the end of your turn, the tower itself is almost like a dice tower, a cube tower. It's got an opening at the top and then 16 openings out the side, 12 of which are sealed at the beginning of the game. And when you're done your turn, you take a skull and you drop it and you're like, I'm done. And the skull is either going to get trapped in there to come out later or it's going to fall out and need to be dealt with. But there's also an IR beam at the top of the tower. Ooh. And when the skull trips the IR beam, it says like, oh, someone just dropped a skull on the tower. And then it tells the phone by Bluetooth, hey, a player took a turn. And sometimes the app's like, that's fine. And sometimes like, I'm going to let you finish, but now it's my turn. And it like sort of jumps in and then it's like, okay, we're going to spawn some monsters. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. And it'll even animate the tower. It'll cause these drums inside the tower to rotate, which might spill cubes out or change the orientation of where some openings are. It might tell you to take one of the doors off the tower, which means a skull is more likely to fall out now than get trapped. It plays sounds. It's got like 24 LEDs. It's, it's got a whole bunch of stuff going on. And there's also this uh, concept of glyphs. Yes. On the, and that, that, that changes the game, right? That, that changes the game. So as you take doors or seals off the tower, which happens uh, you know, once or twice a month, you start revealing either more openings where skulls can come out or these lit glyphs. And there are five glyphs in the game, and each of them relates to one of the things that you would want to do. Your starter turn action, your reinforce action, which is getting the stuff from a building, or fighting, cleansing, or going on a quest. And if one of those glyphs is facing you, it's like the tower is watching you. Mm -hmm. And if you do that action, you have to pay one of the spirit, which is hard to get. You can only get about two per turn. So if you have a glyph facing you and you're like, oh, I was going to fight, but this is facing me. So I need to pay a spirit. So I only get one back. And now I can't go buy that treasure that I wanted to buy. Guys, I'm not sure I should fight. Should I cleanse? And then you fight. And then you buy the treasure and give it to me next turn. And then before my turn even starts, the tower shakes and rattles and that glyph goes away. And now it's pointing at Tony. And he's the one who can't fight. But I'm like, okay, I'm clear. I'm clear. The tower has turned its gaze somewhere else. These are things you can't do with a lot without electronics, which has been a lot of fun to work with. Because you were saying it's been in development for three years. So aside from the base board game, has a lot of this development been with the software and the apps and all of that? Or, I mean, what's been this project? This is huge. Yeah, I mean, it's worth perfect time to mention. Uh, really an amazing team has been working on this. Um, obviously, Rob, uh, Isaac, we've also got uh, Noah Cohen and Brian Neff who've been working on game design. Um, but at the same time, we've got these this three parts of the triangle, right? We've got an app uh, that we've got this uh, Icelander uh, Bjorn uh, from Porcelain Fortress that they've been working his him and his team have been working on this app. And for those of you who've seen of our Restoration Games app, it's a different app house. Uh, it's got a real slick uh, look to it. We're really excited. We've got a, a special UI designer who's just working on designing the UI for the app named Sam Ballard. Um, and then we've got also working on the tower. We've got a team, a team of engineers working on this thing. So the lead uh, sort of engineer and uh, project uh, manager for the sort of mechanical side of things is Tim Burl Sayward. Nailed it. Nailed um, it. <laughs> he, uh, he was uh, one of the lead engineer on Beast of Balance. So if you've seen that game, but he's mm -hmm. uh, freelancing now. And uh, we sort of hooked up with him early on. Uh, he had just left uh, Visa Balance and was sort of the right man for the job. And he also had, like I said, a, a bunch of people working under him, a uh, number of engineers, electrical engineers, mechanical engineers, 
there's a little guy in a shed in Upper England who yeah there was who making making gears <laughs> so like a little little gnome or something I don't know some magical being making <laughs> these uh, gears uh, so really an amazing uh, amazing team working on this I, I I would feel remiss if we didn't point out the all the hard work that went into this over those those years but to answer your original question those teams were, have been sort of working on these three parts of the triangle in tandem as we've gone through. And I have to say, and Rob can talk about this more, the design, the game design was really a challenge uh, to get it just right. And I feel like we nailed it, but it was a long road to get there. And so what that means is while we're doing that, you know, Tim's working on the tower and he's got this design. And then all of a sudden we'll go back to him and say, yeah, we want to shave a level off the tower or we need more openings or we need it to rotate counterclockwise or whatever it might be. And the same thing with the app. We've Our app designer, Bjorn, had to build a, a beta app just so we could play test. And this was in the middle. We started with some just pen and paper stuff, simulations. But eventually we had to build this beta app to simulate the tower so we could try out the game and make sure it worked. And every other week we're going back to them. Yeah, this one's, we need to tweak this, that, or change this. And it's, I mean, it's really just an unbelievable project. Unlike, a, a, sort of like an order of magnitude more complicated and in depth than Fireball Island was, which at the time seemed like it was ridiculous. <laughs> and I believe Tim was at uh, Gen Con last year, right? Yes, I he met was. The engine, yeah. And uh, I really got to uh, enjoy talking to him because uh, the audience may not know I'm a, I'm an electrical engineer and I do software, so I was like really all into the guts of the tower and how it worked and how you integrated with the app and everything. I mean, it really is a little engineering marvel with all the little bits and pieces going on in there. I, th- I think it's going to be really, really cool once people get it out. Now, this is this is battery-operated, right? Or, or is it going to be like USB? Battery. No, it's, it's battery-operated. Battery? Yeah. Okay. okay. Three double A's. And how long will those double A's last? We don't really know yet because <laughs> it's not through final engineering, but you can get, uh, you know, it, we don't know yet. It could be 10, 20 hours. We'll know okay. in the final engineering. Um, you can use rechargeable batteries, so you know you can basically play a game, pop them in the charger, and next time you play, pull them out again. That works too. The so app will let you man? know if you know your batteries are are running low, that kind of thing. Oh, okay. So it will talk to the app sure. and say, "By the way, you might want to hurry up and change." <laughs> I've got to ask the question. Way. I got to ask the question. Hold on, Mark. I get the low battery alarm on my phone that says my tower is getting ready to shut down, and I'm in the middle of an epic game. Can I? swap them out in time and save my game is the app going to come back and pick right up or is it going to the tower's going to go and then it's all going to spin back and rotate solid and then it's going to come back and i'm going to have to start all over well you've really thought this through are you dreaming about this is it keeping you up well no no it's not keeping me up but it's not like i haven't had this experience in like a video game where you've made it almost through this level and then all of a sudden that sorry but power company has a a right. fault. Oh, oh, the power company. Um, they, they suck. <laughs> no, what what we are planning on is doing a save state after every every turn. Right, it's just mm-hmm. saving in the background. For first of all, and we haven't finalized all this because we're starting to build the real app. But I've been looking at the forty or fifty page spec that Noah's working on, and it's like you should turn it on and it should check the batteries right away and say, hey, we don't think you'll make it through this game. You may want to change it now, but if you ignore it or it doesn't quite get it right, it is doing a save in the background, and you can do a continue game. Again, you're playing the game. You're like, I got to go. The only thing that would be tough is there are skulls and doors in the tower. It would be hard to take that tower and take it all apart and put it away, and then the next game put it back together, but you can certainly 
pause to go deal with your kid or your dog or whatever you need to do or go see a movie and then come back and just say, okay, resume game. Yeah, go get your colonoscopy, whatever. Colon, there we go. There we go. That's a callback. <laughs> do y'all have Harbor Freights in your area? I, I don't know what, what that is. It's a, it's, a, it's a tool place. We have them all around down here. You get these magazines. You get free batteries when you go buy stuff. And I'm just telling people, if you've got a Harbor Freight, Save up on those free battery coupons. There you go. We we got okay. the, we got it solved here at Rolling Dice and we, Taking. We that. provide a service for our audience. There there you go. I was wondering where that was going. Okay. <laughs> well, well, Marty knew where it was going. He's been with me long enough. He knows all about. He goes to Harbor Freight. I know he's going to land somewhere. I'm just not exactly sure where it's going to be when he gets down. So you talk about the the app on the phone being upgradable. Obviously, is the software within the tower going to be upgradable? I mean, can you make modifications to it once it's out in the field? Probably not. There's going to be some stuff right. that's on an uh, integrated circuit, right? There's going to be a chip, some lights and some s- sounds and some code for doing things. So I don't think we can update the – I don't think we can do a firmware update. Yeah, one of, we, yeah, I don't think we'll be able to do that. Uh, but one of the things we can do, obviously, is change the way the app talks to the tower. For example, there will be some sort of library of sounds within the tower. We're figuring that out now. And then we can have the app call for different sounds at different times if we want to. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We, yeah. We can say, uh, don't call for sound five at, when the month ends. Call for seven because everyone was annoyed by five. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to actually ask that. Can I mute the stupid tower? Cause it's- <laughs> <laughs> of course you can. <laughs> they thought about everything. We're like, Tony's going to be pissed if he can't mute the tower. I know. I'm like, holy God, I'm tired of that sound. He wants to save the game and mute the tower. Yeah, and then yell at the power company. You are just... <laughs> That's true. Just, he just shakes his fist at the sky I know. so often. I, I don't Old know. man gets mad at clouds. Here we go. <laughs> Absolutely. As, now, you, you talk about uh, being a co-op game and all your play testing. What's the win factor here? Like I've been one of the games we played last Bastion. It was, I think, the win factor. Or ghost stories. Everybody talked about how low the win percentage is. What, what are you shooting for here, Rob? Um, well, I, I would say the first time you play, I want almost everyone to lose but know why. Right, but that's just my okay. general rule for co-op is you get through, you're like, okay, we got to manage skulls better. Okay, we were killing monsters or we were so busy babysitting the world, we lost, we kept our eye off the main quest, right? We should have been collecting treasures and getting ready because we needed to do this and that, but we were killing things or I, we shouldn't attack at bad odds like that. Advantages are important. We should get those before we go. And then after that, I want your second game for you to have like a 50-50 chance. And then after that, you know, 50-50 would be nice. Mm-hmm. And one of the things you'll be able to do uh, is, like Rob talked about, there's this sort of suite of inputs that you have at the beginning of the game that will change the way the game plays out. You can decide those at the beginning of the game. So you can replay, like if you get failed miserably and now you know why and you want to have another crack at it, you can sort of reset that same game now some of the variables might be different and there is some a little bit of that a little bit of randomness in it Uh, but those general that general arc will be the same and you can replay it and try and get a better result or you can you know spin the roulette wheel and see what comes out and (laughs) try your hand at something new now one thing i was uh kind of gearing towards earlier we kind of we kind of got off track but i do want to go back to it can you explain how the combat works by by interfacing with the app we have these options and you can spin stuff in order to mitigate some of the bad things that happen to you of course um (laughs) so the way combat works is the the creatures are level um they start at level two and they go to level five 
We we left level one off because you guys aren't beginners, so we're just going to skip that right away. And the math doesn't work. Why don't you just make level two level one? No, no, because on your turn... These go to five. Yeah, I understand the joke <laughs> you were doing. But let me pretend I don't understand jokes and just tell you the real answer. Um, okay. Is on your turn when you go to fight a monster, you take the phone and you pick which monster you're fighting, and then it shows you like a little picture of that monster or where they are. For If you're fighting brigands, you'll see the brigand camp. And there's 10 different places that you can, that you could attack. You could attack the gate or their supply hut or go to the campfire. And you, because they're level two, you have to attack two places. You have to send like two squads to go do it, basically. Which is sort of the long way of saying you draw two cards out of 10. Mm-hmm. And the, these cards come up and they'll tell you what's going to happen when the battle happens. Like one says lose four warriors and one says lose eight warriors. So if you're like, okay, that's all I got, I'm going to lose 12 warriors. If you don't have enough, you lose everything you have, and then you gain a corruption. You let your last person die, and you're a really bad leader, and so you start despairing. But if you have these things called advantages, and you're like, I'm good against melee, and brigands are melee fighters, and I have two melee advantages, you can tap these cards to improve them. So you might tap the lose eight warriors once, and it turns into lose three warriors. And then you tap it again, and it's no losses. And you're like, okay. I know what I'm doing. I'm not losing 12 warriors. I'm losing four because I had these two advantages. And it's interesting because when you get something down to no losses, if you have any advantages left, you can keep tapping it. And then it'll say something like free some prisoners, gain five warriors, or collect some gear. Like you start getting loot drops based on how far above you go. So you might have something that says lose six warriors and no losses. And the question is, do you use an advantage to mitigate your losses or do you let your troops die and improve the card that's already pretty good to get some sort of bonus or boost, you know, that might help you now or in the future. That's pretty much it. So when you get to the final boss, you have five cards that you have to deal with, each one of which might chain off the next and cause all of these various combinations. But the idea is pretty straightforward. You want to go in with about as many advantages as cards you're drawing. If you have more, you'll probably get away with some loot. If you have less, you'll probably get beat up a little bit, but you can still go do it. How do you get advantages? Everyone has one. Right, so the Brutal Warlord is good against melee, and the uh, Orphan Scion is good against magic. Magic, yeah. Magic. Then you can buy gear or treasures. So if you go buy long swords, you get a melee advantage. You also get an advantage based on where your home kingdom is. So we, the board is this familiar circular board. We've changed the the art and everything, but it's a circular board, and you have a each quadrant is its own kingdom. That's your kingdom, like your home. And each uh, of these kingdoms has a more prevalent type of terrain, whether it's hills or deserts or mountains or whatever. And then in your home kingdom, you've got more of those, a particular type of terrain than in the other kingdoms. And when you start, let's say I start in the, I forget which north is, uh, let's say mountains. Uh, mountains. They're, yeah. they're mountains. Then you get a, a virtue at the beginning of the game that gives you advan- extra uh, two advantages in the mountains when you fight in a space with mountains. So you can get advantages based on the type of creature you're fighting or the type of the way they fight or where you're fighting or various different sort of conditional advantages that might pop up. The way those interact with uh, battles is one of the things that makes it interesting. And the other thing um, is because it's a, a virtual deck of cards, we can make them somewhat dynamic. So the boss battles are a little bit more, a little trickier, I guess you could say, in that you've got to sort of work your way through the deck. Like you're very unlikely to just go in and, and defeat them. You'll need to 
either have a couple turns at it or figure out the best way to spend your advantages to sort of defeat them. So another thing that you mentioned earlier too, just to clarify how that works, you talked about dropping skulls into a tower. Yep. And when you open doors or, or they could fall out onto the map, what exactly does that mean when they land on the map? That's that's bad. When when skulls <laughs> land in your general living area, that that's always bad. Is that in general no, or this, in the game? A, no, that's just that's a little life tip. That's a life hack for you okay. right there. I was going to really say, I mean, you know, if I open a door and a bunch of skulls fall out, yeah. I'm, I'm getting the heck out. You yeah, you I'm don't saying? go, you, you don't say, what do I do with these? You just know it's bad. What happens is you have four buildings. You have a sanctuary and a citadel and a bazaar and a village. And this is where you get different resources. So villages give you warriors and the bazaar will either give you gear or treasure, but skulls will end up on there. And each one can have up to three skulls. And if it would have a fourth one, it instead gets destroyed. And whoever is the owner of that kingdom gains a corruption because you're really not doing your job as the hero of the kingdom, letting skulls build up and destroy towns but what happens is in the meantime if you go in there and i want to go to this village and get warriors and there's two skulls normally six warriors is free but because there's two skulls it now costs two spirit so you only get two spirit in a turn so you kind of spent a whole turn's worth of resource just to get the thing that would have been free if there weren't any skulls on it so you can kind of spread them out and make everything a little more expensive or you can just be like i don't we don't really need potions right now so i'm going to load up my sanctuary and just put three there and hope that no event or effect or anything else comes about, which adds a fourth, because then it'll kind of explode on you. And then one of the actions you can do is you go cleanse, you just remove all the skulls off a building and return them to the supply, and everything is fresh and ready to go. Do you have the little prototype skulls, or are they going to be really cool, really nice ones, or are they just going to be cubes? They are not cubes. They are skulls, as I... As Rob digs into his drawers of many treasures, he's going to show uh, us. Not only are they skulls, but we've actually spent a, really an inordinate amount of time sculpting these skulls to get them just right. <laughs> so, well, it's an important part of the game. It brings yeah. you into the theme of the game. And well, you also don't want them getting stuck, too, yes, as is, these drums rotate and everything. They need, to, they need to be fundamentally spherical. Yeah, I, I unfortunately do not know where they are because we were testing them today and putting them on 3D printed buildings to see if they fell off and how hard they were to put on. And I don't know exactly where they are at this moment. Rob doesn't know where he put his skulls. I don't know where I put my <laughs> my skulls are always going. Three in a location. It's very expensive and you better go cleanse it. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. But yeah, no, skulls are interesting because cubes did get stuck because as the doors were going around, you had these sort of 90 degree angles and they would get caught, but a perfect sphere would not get caught in the door, but when it hit the mat, it would roll off. <laughs> and Noah would, kept saying they should be skulls. And finally, we're like, you know what? They should be skulls because not only is it just morbid and kind of creepy, but they are the perfect blend of round without being perfectly spherical so that they won't get stuck in the door. And when they land on the mat, they won't roll onto the floor. So they are functional and disturbing. And we also did not <laughs> want to do marble. <laughs> no, we have done that and done that and done that. But I will ask you a question. If my dark tower fails, a gear breaks or something happens, where is my local repair shop? Do I go to Sears? Um, <laughs> uh, actually, Sears. You, you go to Sears and Roebuck. Okay. <laughs> I thought it was Rob and Justin, but Sears and Roebuck. Okay. Sears Nordstrom's, and Roebuck. Nordstrom will take back anything. Yeah. L.L. Bean is where you take it. No, you try the Geek Squad at Best Buy. There you go. No, we uh, obviously, like with any other part, it's just a very complicated. At the end, it's an extremely complicated part of a game. 
If it breaks, uh, we'll replace it. Please don't break it. <laughs> yeah, don't try to. <laughs> Actually, this was going to be a question that some of our audience had wondered, too. It's like, this could be a... Well, I'm sure it's going to be well-designed and everything, but it, you know, it totally could be a support nightmare. Somebody has a little issue or something, LED doesn't work, and they're shipping back stuff, and you're having to keep these towers in inventory, and I'm sure they're a lot more expensive than like a new chit or a pack of cards or something like that. So are you just going to have a bunch of towers sitting in inventory? And, and the follow-up question is, how long will you support the game? I mean, it can't be infinitum. Is that the right word? It, it's a word. Sure. We will support it as long as we possibly can, I guess, is what we're saying. You know, just like now, I will buy an old game to research to see if we're going to restore it. And it'll be like, call Pressman, send a self-addressed stamped envelope to, you know, like to, <laughs> to Coleco in Hartford. Like some at some point, like it's not supported, um, but like we're here and we're I an mean, active company. We, we mentioned that Rob and I are 50, right? Yeah, so right. there, is, there is some practical <laughs> limit to our ability to support this game. We support all our games. I mean, we've obviously Fireball Island had its own set of challenges, and we've replaced every part request we've gotten. So uh, we stand behind our games. Um, we are pretty confident in the uh, the manufacturing part of this and the engineering. And like I said, we put a lot of time and effort into it. It is a complicated piece of machinery, though. It's not a die, so. Uh, if you drop it on the floor, it won't just roll under the couch. It w- might well break. <laughs> so just be careful with it. It's a it's, it is a you know an an advanced piece of mechanical uh, uh, machinery, I guess. And uh, so, you know, take care of it. That's all. And how tall is it? It is taller than ten citadels. It's taller than the original. I know that. That's great for our audience, Justin. It's taller than the original. I love you. It's taller Dude, than we... the original. I'm about to show you how big it is. But we're... And he's going to show us on a podcast. Show you you on a just podcast. could it's say that in big. inches. Is that it's... big? <laughs> I need a banana for a scale. One and a half Rob's heads high. <laughs> 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 no, we got to rule her out, people, where I'm giving you play-by-play. Rob is it closing. It is exactly a foot tall. Ooh. It's probably a metric foot because it was designed in England. It's Marty, on that uh, dark tower, I also saw something else. Those are some very sharp spires at the top. So if you get pissed at somebody for screwing up the co-op, you're right there. This now becomes, Justin, this is a legal thing. You could, you could take it's somebody out. It's a weapon. There is language in the. Uh, there is a full disclaimer in the rulebook on that for sure. Yes. Are you serious? <laughs> they're they're not that sharp. They were sharp. They came as a three D printing, and we had to file them down because you would go to drop a skull in and be like, Duh! but no, they're. <laughs> we understand sharp points. We have to do hair hair entanglement tests. Oh, that's right. This oh, is a toy. You think about that. This yeah. is, well, this if is you a think toy. about a toy, like a kid's toy, and their like little kid puts their head next to it and gets their hair like caught in it and like rips it out, so the motor has to stop. So I like stuck my finger in the drums a lot of times, and it, it stops. It's like an- Here, here's some manufacturing questions because I've been through this before. Do you have to get like UL or CE mark for this thing because it's an electronic device? Uh, that is outside my purview. Uh, <laughs> okay. Yeah, well, CE. I mean, that's standard. So that's uh, but. Unless you're thinking of a different C, but no, that's it. The European mark. Yeah. So the the UL one, I don't think so, but we will certainly, obviously, I know part of no, because you don't have to plug it in, right? I think that right. So that's what I thought. So part of this is obviously doing all the testing that we need to do to sell it everywhere. So uh, that's on the list. <laughs> Got three years of development going in. We are very close to being done with this. It's on Kickstarter right now. When will backers hopefully receive this? Marvel. Thursday. (laughs) (laughs) 
It, no, it'll be it'll be. I'm sorry. It'll be Thursday. It'll be a Thursday. I should probably be clear. Not this Thursday. Um, we we are we are hoping for. Well, no, we are planning on uh, first quarter of next year. Like we would love to have it out at Christmas. Everything would have to go so perfect that we're not saying it's going to be out by the end of the year because. Chances are it won't go perfectly the whole time. Right. I mean, this is sort of what happened with Fireball Island. We built in a buffer. We put in a date and we hit that date. We used up the buffer and then hit that date for 80% of the backers. And of course, the 20% who got it the next month were not happy and understandably so. So we're building in a little bit more of a buffer this time. And especially uh, fulfilling it at the holidays is extremely challenging. So uh, at least, uh, assuming nothing changes, it's listed as fulfillment for February of 2020 of one. I've got to get my years right, 2021. Like Rob said, there's certainly a chance some people will get theirs earlier than that. There's even a chance some people might get theirs in time for the holidays, but we're not even going to sniff a promise out for that because uh, we can't guarantee, even if we guarantee that, even if we could guarantee that some people would, there's no way we can guarantee which people would, and we, we don't want to make that promise you know, if we can't stick to it. So we're, we're putting something out there that we pretty confident we can stick to. So when it comes out, will it uh, go straight to retail at the same time? Is there going to be a little bit of delay at that point? If people miss the Kickstarter, there'll be a little bit of delay. I mean, that's the other thing is obviously with Fireball Island, it was timed right at the same time so that we could get it out in time for the holidays for retail. Um, and those people who were at the tail end of fulfillment were getting theirs at the same time as retail and obviously not happy about that. Again, we understand that. Uh, so one of the things we're going to be doing is essentially ensuring that the street date is at least a month or so after uh, fulfillment is done. I mean, obviously, you might have some, we still have stragglers, honestly, people who still haven't completed their survey for Fireball Island. So I'm not guaranteeing complete fulfillment, but we'll be holding that street date until that fulfillment is essentially done. Hey, we just had a contest on rolling <laughs> dice for the survey, and it's not like Marty's got any stragglers going on there to get back addresses or anything, do you, Marty? Yeah, uh, everybody, I've contacted a lot of people who've won some prizes, and a lot of people have not contacted me back. So go check your emails or BGG accounts or something. But yeah, that, that, that's another story. So the Kickstarter is going on right now. And for those who haven't been out there to it, how much does this bad boy cost to back? They cost $150 in retail. On Kickstarter, it's $125. We're going to have a bundle pack with an expansion. Uh, we're going to have, well, with the, all the things we have are uh, a box of miniatures for all the monsters being made out of plastic. Uh, the core game, the buildings, and the hero in plastic, and the, the monsters are in cardboard. You can get all basically just over 65 somewhere between 65 and 70 cool looking monsters and plastic upgraded tokens you can get the um the oh what's the name of the mat why am i drawing a <laughs> neoprene neoprene i'm like foam the foam mat the sponge mat <laughs> and then we have an ex we actually have an expansion when the designers play it we win quite easily so we have an expansion which has two extra characters that you can use in any combination of the game and then an alliance expansion where now there's guilds that you have to deal with and politicians who are making demands on your time and a whole other resource you have influence and you know i just crack up with the start of the month the nobles will go we feel like shopping so no one go to the bazaars this month 
right? Like you just can't buy. We don't want to mingle with the rabbles. So we don't want to mingle with the rabbles. Private and shopping day. And so you have to have gotten some influence and be like, no, can you leave this one open? And they'll be like, fine, right? And then you, and so you you have other things to deal with, um, just to add some complexity. And then you can go talk to some guilds and you can try to expand their influence, get some of them as companions, and you've just got a few more things to juggle. Yeah, I will say one thing that's really cool, and oh, two things. One thing we haven't mentioned yet is the art, uh, and I would be remiss if I did not mention uh, Christina Kalita, who is our lead illustrator, and also Garrett Kaida. Kaida, I'm not sure I pronounced his last name, uh, who also did a lot of the artwork. He did the board illustration. He's doing some of the item illustrations and things like that. Uh, amazing artist, and uh, in Christina's case, she hasn't worked in board games before, uh, so it was a real find. I'm excited about that, but. Together, uh, and uh, JJ Arioso also did some of our concept art, uh, they designed these really cool monsters. So it's one of the things we didn't want to do uh, is sort of have just these generic fantasy tropes and the generic fantasy look. So it's got a real cool stylized sort of fresh, it's fantasy, but it doesn't look like your typical fantasy stuff. And one of the things they did is they designed all these cool foes to fight. And so we have cardboard tokens in the game. They've got information on them and things like that. But we knew some people would want miniatures just because miniatures are fun for a lot of people. But we didn't want to build that into the base cost of the game because it's already quite expensive because the tower is basically like 100 miniatures all by itself. And so we have the separate minis pack. What's cool is if you don't have any interest in the game whatsoever, shame on you, first of all. But you can go and back and just buy the miniatures pack. And those things will be so cool to like yeah. paint if you're into painting or using D&D or whatever. Um, so I think that would be a lot of fun. I, I just, it occurred to me the other day, like, I imagine we'll have some people who just want the miniatures pack because it's pretty cool. Yeah. How much is the miniatures pack? Keep in mind, we're recording this about eight days away and we're still crunching summer. It's going to be about $60 okay. For, okay. for about 65 minis, give or take. Okay. So less than a buck per mini. Yeah. Cool. So, so Marty, just to point out something for people that, you know, because we all are going, like, oh, $125, that's a lot of money. I do want to say that $125 in today's dollars in 1981 is $45. So they are saving you $35 <laughs> from the original Dark Tower. Wow, that's some quick math there, Tony. So the original game was eighty bucks uh-huh. in that in nineteen eighty one, and this would be forty five in nineteen eighty one. That's well, right. Yeah, I mean, that's a good the record, deal. I've seen a couple of different prices. You know, it's one of those things that probably like was on sale somewhere. I, I just don't want someone coming and say, "Ah, oh, we got ours for you know fifty bucks or whatever." I mean, that might well be true, but sort of the MSRP, if you will, of the original game. I don't know. But in today's dollars, dollars, if you wanted to buy a Dark Tower from nineteen eighty one, it's going to cost you four hundred dollars. You're still <laughs> saving money, people. That is true. Well, I mean, one hundred twenty five dollar Kickstarter for all this stuff is not not unusual, and especially when you look at the the engineering marvel that this this is going to be sitting in the middle of the table. So I I assume that we'll probably as the as the Kickstarter goes through, you have stretch goals along the way. I guess. Oh uh, yes, goals, uh, stretch that's goals. What you do. Yeah, I was thinking about this today. It's like this. Uh, it's a uh, what's a like a folly I do right where they know the stretch goals. A lot of them are sort of built in, and we know it, and we all pretend like, hey, we were never gonna, you know, the the first like ten stretch goals or whatever. I right? know it's like we'll include a box cover. Yeah. <laughs> and rules. <laughs> But it's part of the fun, so I, I, I don't I don't mean to poo poo that. I actually think uh, I was talking today. It's like Kickstarter should be fun, and that, that is part of the fun. It's tough to work on on the publisher side, so it's a challenge for us. But it is fun when you're doing it and you're in the moment. You're getting these stretch goals, and so yeah, we'll have some stretch goals. 
Um, some of it's content related, some of it's component upgrades, uh, some of it's just some fun stuff we're throwing in. I, I did want to put some fun stuff in the campaign, like I said, to make it fun. So it's going to be a good time. I mean, I, I, my suggestion is if you're at all curious, two things. First of all, you're probably too late since this uh, podcast is dropping on the day of the campaign. But if you signed up ahead of time for launch notification, you'll get a free active player uh, metal coin that'll be available as an add-on if you didn't get it. But the other thing is, oh, what was I going to say? Darn it. I lost oh, the, I lost yeah, the train. You were so close. You're such a roll. Oh. oh. Um, See, you're, it's not even 50, but you're already acting like it's 50. I know. Oh, man. That 50 is how many hours I've stayed up straight. I, I do like one of your stretch goals is it adds fun. <laughs> yes. like, let's get the fun stretch goal. <laughs> We're very tired. <laughs> well, I don't we, know what I was saying. Well, don't worry about it. This is our DTN. They're used to people not knowing what they're saying on this show. So what? we fit right in. Exactly. <laughs> I got a colonoscopy soon. Fix it in post. <laughs> so how long is the Kickstarter, by the way? This is going to drop the same day. If you're listening on the, the same day, it's, it drops the 14th, the 14th. of January yeah. and ends? Uh, three weeks, isn't it? Okay, three weeks from January 14th. In true 49-year-old fashion, I remembered what I was going to say. Okay, <laughs> there you go. So if you're at all interested, go to the campaign, and you can back for, I think it's like 10 bucks or 20 bucks or whatever the minimum is, just to, to get in there. And then you can, if, if you either don't have the money right away or you're not sure or whatever, you can back at that base level. And then you can follow along with the campaign. I think, like I said, I think it's going to be fun. But also, we'll be using Backer Kit uh, after the campaign closes, so you can... That'll, but if you back even for that minimum level just to, to get in, you'll be considered a, a Kickstarter backer for any of the freebies that we might throw in or any of the extras or things like that that might not be available in retail. So one of the things we talked about is the game will be available. I think you asked a question. We never actually answered it. Ultimately, it'll be available on retail in some form or fashion. We, will have a, we do have a tier for retailers. Uh, so if you're a retailer and you're listening, you're interested, we do have a special tier for retailers like we did with Fireball Island that was well received. So we're going to do something similar again. But then also there will be some of these add-ons and extras and things like that that will not be available in uh, retail afterwards. Uh, they'll be available conventions or on our website, but it won't be in, in retail. Okay. Now, and one of the things I hate about Kickstarters is at this level, you only get these kick these add-ons. And at this level, you only get these over here. That drives me insane. So what I'm hearing is you get them all. Um, yeah, I mean, certainly we have some stretch goals that will might improve the uh, Alliance's expansion, for example. And if you don't get the expansion, right. obviously you don't get those. But yeah, there's no early bird tiers or... Uh, there's no real Kickstarter exclusives. We don't uh, do that sort of thing. Good. Okay. Very good. Yeah. I, I, it's funny. I, I, every time somebody comes out with the early bird special, I see nothing but a lot of complaining. And it's true because some people just don't sit on the internet all day long. And it's like, well, shoot, if I would have known, I would have done it. But, you know, I didn't happen to be looking at it that yeah, day. So I was doing something. <laughs> yeah. I was actually like working. So, yeah, uh, that's that's cool. So, um. 125 bucks, uh, some add-ons that you can get, like the monsters and everything. You're going to be doing the backer kit later on, so you can come in for the minimum amount. And if you want to, if I understand right, that means later on with the backer kit, you can jump in and go ahead and get the full game. Sure, and uh, and all the add-ons will be available in backer kit as well, uh, the extras. Yep. And again, I, I think you asked, and I'm not sure we answered, but it's a 21-day campaign, not a uh, not a four-week campaign. Yep. Three weeks, okay. January 3rd. Yep. Uh, 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, February 3rd. February, February 3rd. 3rd. Yeah. yeah. That is correct. Wow. So we've been jumping between 20, uh, release February of 2020 to February 21. We're going from, we're talking January 14th to January 3rd. We're, we're solid, Marty. We are starting off strong. Yeah. We don't year. know what's going on here. We don't know. Just go out to the link that's in our uh, show notes there and just go click and just give them $125 and be done with it. Yep. That's that's how it works. That'd be easiest for everybody. <laughs> or, or, or what's really the easiest for all of us is if you go to Google and you type in The Dark Tower Restoration Games, it's amazing what will pop up first there on Google. Just click and go. I'll be remiss. I know people can look it up in case people are wondering... Do you know the shipping rates at this time? I have to go back and, and check the Kickstarter for sure, because I assume there's going to be some heft to this thing. It is a big, big box. That is for sure. Uh, we haven't locked down shipping yet, though. So that is okay. the last thing, the last domino to put into place. <laughs> All right. I mean, obviously, by the time you're listening to this, it's there. We, we will know. Yes, we need to know it in a week. Future me knows it. <laughs> right. <laughs> this is what we're doing the rest of this week. We're like weighing things and double-checking like how many are in a carton and all the cool stuff you do. All right, that's the Dark Tower 2020. What else is in store for Restoration Games? I'm a, Go, fire. Anything good? Anything you want to talk to us about? Sure, no. Right off the bat, uh, coming in March, we will have the Return... Uh, sorry, down, <laughs> Return to Downforce. Uh, downforce. <laughs> it, it, Technically, sense, it is. It's a Return to Downforce. Downforce Wild Ride is our expansion that's coming out. We... Had some at uh, PAX Unplugged, so if you had a chance to get there, lucky you. Uh, but it's another double-sided track with some cool 3D ramps and wild animals, and it's a fun, fun, fun track. I'll say this. it's If you like Downforce and you're playing with your family or whatever, and, uh, this one uh, makes it a little bit more of a gamer's game. Uh, there's a little bit more Ooh. thought to it, uh, strategy, if you will, to it. So it's, I think it's a, a lot of fun. I think people are really going to dig that one. And then uh, essentially at the same time, uh, Stop Thief 2nd Edition comes out. Uh, we haven't been talking oh. about it too much. Uh, we will start doing that after the <laughs> Kickstarter. But it is basically the same. Uh, the only we, we had to call it a second edition because we made just enough tweaks. Um, but it has a new cover, uh, just so people know it's a, a new edition. The big change is that it, all the sort of extra modes that we had unlocked during the mm -hmm. Kickstarter campaign for that one, cooperative, one versus many, etc., all that, they are all built into the game now, so it's all incorporated into the rulebook. And importantly, we have a new green investigator whose ability works both in competitive modes and cooperative modes. And uh, it's, just, it's just a new, new special ability she has. And then we also have a special set of thieves just for uh, the cooperative game that actually have effects that work in the cooperative game, which actually make it a little more challenging. So a lot of people really enjoyed Stop Thief in cooperative mode. I really think, honestly, that's the way it, it's sort of the best way to play it. And this edition really makes it nice and smooth and adds a lot of variety to it with these special co-op thieves. And for those people who are asking, if you have the original game, we will be having a special pack of just the new investigator and the new co-op thieves that you can get essentially for a buck off our website plus shipping. And uh, uh, so if you, you can just upgrade it with a little, little pack of cards. All right. Consider it done. I will do that. Am I getting a, a special Bluetooth speaker so I can hear the footsteps or anything like that? <laughs> uh, that's up to you. 
Okay. Really. But then only if you complain about it not working and the power company <laughs> and the batteries ran out right in the middle. I don't know if I have the rant down, but I'm going to grow into it over the next yeah, few years. Yeah, yeah, you got it. It's coming. It's, it'll be a natural. You're going to wake up that morning and just be natural. And yeah, a little, a little bit down the road is we got some a whole bunch of unmatched stuff coming out mm-hmm. this year. We got our Cobble and Fog set coming out. Yeah, Mondo's got cool. some things that uh, you know we've talked about, and we're just waiting for some uh, licensor approval on some things before we can get some exact days. But that that game is getting some really good good buzz. People seem to be liking it, and I'm just really excited to have this wide universe that people can get have to do battles in. Yeah, we have uh, we've announced obviously Jurassic Park got two sets in the pipeline for that. First one should be soon. I mean, not soon, but uh, you know. First half of the year <laughs> uh, is uh, InGen versus the Raptors. Uh, again, thank the licensors. You got to get that approval. And then we have a Sattler versus the T-Rex set coming down the pipe uh, somewhere soon. And then uh, we have an unannounced two-pack that we haven't obviously oh, nice. announced yet that I'm excited to announce as we just saw that. When's that going to be announced? Uh, I don't know. Sometime after the Kickstarter. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Everything's yeah, after now. the Kickstarter. Everything's after the Kickstarter. <laughs> we are mono-focused on Return to Dark Tower. And then we do have, yeah, Buffy the Vampire Slayer set coming somewhere later this year also. That's uh, it's exciting. So, And uh, I know Mondo has this license for some other stuff. They got Castlevania. It'd be really cool if you did like a map inside a castle and had Dracula versus one of the Castlevania dudes. Who knows what will happen? That could have been the unannounced, Marty, and you just spoiled it for just, him. Just laying it out there. Just say it. No, that's cool. That's that's. Uh, I know that game's got a lot of traction. People are really enjoying it. And I guess over the course of the year, you'll be announcing maybe some new stuff at Origins, some new stuff at Gen Con. Yep. We're, you know, we're going to be announcing things here and there. Both of our 50th birthdays will be a, a big time that will... <laughs> Make it. I think those are proclamations. Um, I have heard that almost immediately after turning fifty, you start getting the AARP. You get it before. Oh, the day before. The day almost. Literally, it's in your mail. And everyone complains about. I'm like, I am signing up the moment I get it. I am just embracing (laughs) this and being like, let's do this. I am not like, I bring it. Half price Dunkin' Donuts, whatever, whatever. I. Pet boys, I can get my filters changed for twenty percent off. Let's let's go. Oh, but uh, wait a minute! But isn't when you turn fifty, don't you get to sock away more money into your four hundred one k, your catch up or something? I can't remember. I don't know. We, we design games, Tony. I don't know. We yeah, can't I, I, give you financial advice. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Not licensed for that sort of no, thing. You're, the financial advice you're giving me is to store up for one hundred and twenty five dollars to back Return to the Dark Tower. Well, my real financial advice would be to get one to play with and then get one and leave it in the shrink. So you want to get two copies. Leave one in the yeah. shrink and then 40 years from now, yeah. it might be worth $400. Yeah. If we're still around. It might be, yeah. Or you might be fighting chuds for it. Yes. Just, you know, like it's some sort of currency. <laughs> I'll trade you my dark tower for a gallon of water. <laughs> <laughs> There's no water left on this planet. This whole Mad Max thing yeah. where the currency is dark towers. <laughs> well, the first thing is you're gonna have it have to Bluetooth into the chip into my head or something because who knows? Because we're not gonna have smartphones. Who knows what we're gonna have then? Oh, so so that's it for Restoration Games for the year. Oh man. Well, no, no, no. They, they just can't announce everything, I know man. They just they, this. What's important is Return to the Dark Tower right now. Then after that, it's, we can look for more. It's January sixth. I want to say that that's Epiphany. I don't. We got know some why. good stuff coming. Don't worry, we won't disappoint. 
I'm sure you won't. You haven't yet other than, um, oh, I didn't hear anything for Fireball Island as Spider Springs or any Spider other. Spider Springs is out. I know, but what I'm saying is something along that, like you did last time where we had spiders jumping. I, I couldn't think. What else would happen on the Fireball Island? I, I Look, I give you skulls jumping out. I give you spiders jumping out. It's just not <laughs> enough for you. No. What do you want? Okay, snakes in your bed. That's the next thing I'm going to give you. <laughs> no, well, I already got snakes on the island. I got All snakes right. in the plane. I need All right. I'll, I'll, here's what I'm going to do. Earwig pudding. There we go. There's my, our new game. <laughs> That's the name of my Sex Pistols cover band. Earwig pudding. It's actually, I just pulled a really obscure 1980s Saturday Night Live sketch reference. Oh, okay. So, yeah. Oh, wait, what was the reference? Uh, it was someone dies and goes to heaven. Uh-huh. And you're just you're getting a lowdown from his guardian angel. I'm trying to remember who it was. And he says, what's the weirdest thing I ever... Eight. He's like, you don't want to know. He's like, all right, what's the 18th weirdest thing I ate while I was on Earth? He goes, you ate a pudding with an earwig in it. He's like, did I notice? Like, the football game was on. You made a face for a second. <laughs> <laughs> and I always just was disturbed by that image. But I don't, I don't remember I don't remember who was in it, uh, like, what year it was. I want to say, like, 1986. So now it's a... Fe- Joe Pesci. No, uh, that's not... No, Joe Pesci. Joe, Joe Pesci Piscopo. was gone... Joe, Pis- Joe Piscopo was gone by the end of 1983. Come on. Oh, my gosh. He knows all this stuff. Wait a minute. Eddie Murphy wasn't there in 86? No. Lorne Michaels came back in in 1985. He rebooted. He had Anthony Michael Hall, Robert Downey Jr. It was an oh, awful show. Right. This was the year after 84-85, which had Billy Crystal and Christopher Guest, but it wasn't really live. They had a lot of recorded shows. Finally, 86, 87, he brought in Dana Carvey, so on and so forth. Kevin Nealon was just a featured performer for two years at that point. I didn't know you were an SNL aficionado. I was going to be a television sketch comedy writer when I was in college. That was my goal. And I was in college from 88 to 92. Like this was, this is my wheelhouse you're talking right here. Wow. (laughs) That's pretty awesome. Hey, uh, by the way, I don't know if we ever asked you guys, what kind of lawnmowers do you got? Kind of what? Lawnmowers. Lawnmowers? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. that You you lost a syllable in there from how we say it up here, but... Lawn. No, lawnmowers. Lawnmowers. As appropriate to our geographical extremes compared to you, I think we have the two diametrically opposed answers to this. Do you have a lawnmower, Rob? I have a lawnmower. He's got a snowblower he probably uses more than he No, I have a shovel and a 16-year-old son. I have a lawnmower that I pull the cord and then I push it around and it mows the lawn. I am not like I, I am not I am not a machine guy in general. I will have to struggle to tell you what car I drive. And my lawnmower, living in South Florida, is a team of landscape artists. <laughs> I mean there's no almost nobody in Florida blows their own lawn. It's funny. We'll be sitting here and I will have a scarf on and thinking of doing a fire. I'm like, what's that noise? And I mean, it's like lawn mowers. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, the lawn guy's here. I have the perfect lawn. It, it, it Around May, it starts growing. I mow it. I'm getting a little annoyed. Around July 4th, it just freezes in this stasis where it's not quite dead. And I, I mow it one more time before the end of the season. Like it's... I suppose I should water it. That would probably help. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Water's but let good. me let me sort of sort of jujitsu this question. Why? Why are you asking this? That's their thing. Oh, is it? Oh uh, yeah. R- Rob just doesn't listen to our show. That that's what it is. Well, don't take it personally. I don't listen to anyone's show, and it's not because I wouldn't like to. Is I work <laughs> from home and I can't listen to podcasts while I work because yeah. they're too distracting. I can't even listen to music. Yeah, Rob's commute is zero. Yeah, I fall down the stairs and I'm at work. Like that's. <laughs> 
<laughs> Justin, stairs are these things we have in the north as well, where we have two yes. levels. Oh, okay. wow. I got stairs in my house. I'm in North I Carolina. I have steps into my pool. Steps into <laughs> Now, last year, Rob, you, uh, you came here in Charlotte. You, get, you and a bunch of your friends get together and game over the weekend. Where are you going to be gaming this year? Chicago. Actually, we're going to be there uh, next week. Nice. Right in the middle of the Kickstarter. Right in the middle of the Kickstarter. We, we said, hey, what's the worst airport to fly into in January? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then we're like, let's do that. It's actually a central location, and we have friends who are hosting it. And so we have a big gaming space, and it saves us a lot of money, and People are coming from Winnipeg and North Carolina and various places. And so it is a pretty location, pretty easy location for a lot of people. So it'll be not this weekend, but next weekend. Yeah, right after the Kickstarter. People are like, are you just going to be hammering refresh on your phone? I'm like, pretty much, pretty much. I might play a game. Don't worry. It will fun first day. Well, it depends what we set the level at. Challenge accepted. (laughs) Yeah, we'll set the level so high to prove you wrong. (laughs) $55 $55 million. There. There. I think I hit it last time when I said, you know, the million dollar mark would hit on Fireball, and I was right. So just saying. And every year I say this, Rob, dadgummit, one of these years, I'm going to get to Boston and let you take me to Fenway Park sometime. Let's do it. You got you to get tickets early, although they're going to suck this year, so you can probably get tickets later. It's a bucket list for me. Not like Marlins suck, just Red Sox level sucking, right? Yeah, I think this whole 20 year good good air is coming to the edge. I'm like, wait, football's done? What happened? It's the first weekend of January. They're not even, the Patriots aren't even supposed to start playing in the playoffs yet. How are they oh. already done with the playoffs? Oh, we could talk a little bit about the Belichick thing. I was reading about that today. That was pretty. What about the timeout thing? Oh, yeah, where he invented that. That was so funny. Oh, my gosh, I was laughing Oh, so wait, he was getting it. so mad at Vrabel for doing what he designed exactly yeah and for people that are wondering there uh, there was this foot there was a football game and uh one of the coaches kept taking penalties and because he was going to punt it anyway but every time he took a penalty the clock would start up again and just run more seconds off of the clock so he didn't care he was just trying to run the clock down and after a certain point they'll get like an unsportsmanlike conduct Mm -hmm. but it has to be it has to be two in a row of the same thing right so he did like delay of game by letting the clock run down and then they would do a false start and then they would do delay a game and then they would do a legal man in motion. Right? And I was watching this. I'm like, Belichick's just mad because he didn't think of it. <laughs> well, he did. he did. He did it against the Jets in October. Oh, did he? Yeah. Yeah. yeah oh, he, I missed he, that. When he was winning 33 to nothing. But actually, yeah, at five, I think it's five minutes, the clock will not start back up. And what's even more interesting, not fun for New England fans, was the fact that one of the Patriots caused another penalty. So he got. Three. Oh, yeah. One of the Patriots caused like a. Yeah. Because you're just in that defensive shift, waiting and waiting and waiting, and around the eighth time or something, you're going to twitch. I, I, I knew it was over before before then when they got first and goal and couldn't get it in. I'm like, okay, the wheels fell off the wagon real hard in the middle of November, and it's it's long overdue, right? I mean, that that sustained X. I mean, they'll still be better than Miami next year, but I mean, barely that is a low bar, sir. Wow. <laughs> Gentlemen, this is amazing. We did Return to Dark Tower. We did food and pizza. We did lawnmowers. We did sports and colonoscopies. Bam. We have done the white man pentathlon. (laughs) (laughs) And we didn't even talk about uh, vacations like we do. We didn't talk about uh, Justin's trip to Hawaii and his enjoyment there. But I will say one thing, Justin. This beating me by over 80 (laughs) points in Ascension is getting freaking... Sometimes, oh, Marty, he... I I enjoy 
decimating foes in Ascension as well, but Justin has a knack. He will get the right cards. I think the man cheats in that game. I don't know how or why, but it is my uh, my wheelhouse game for sure. So I've, I've got a couple other people that I'm playing regularly with that I beat most of the time. Finally, I started playing with Rob Rouse, actually. And mm-hmm. we had a little bit of a smack talk before we started playing. Like, oh, nice record, like nice record. And he won the first game by one point. I was like, oh, you know, very nice. And then I won the second game by one point. And then we've literally, each game has been like one to three points and we've been flip-flopping every time. So it's, uh, I finally met my match. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Hey, and Return to the Dark Tower, like uh, what made me think of this was Ascension now has achievements that you can unlock. Since you're going to have an app, are we going to have achievements to unlock in Return to the Dark Tower? Oh, that's interesting. Hadn't thought of that. <laughs> No, that's I, actually a pretty good I, idea. I think we talked, talked about, about it a long time ago. I've talked about it with Noah and we've done stuff. The thing is, it's this very interesting place where the physical game needs to be done because it needs we need to start making tools and we need to start making plastic and, and rotors and that guy who lives in northern England needs to start making gears. Hopefully he's not the only guy on the planet. And then we have three to nine months to work on software because that just needs to be in the app store like, you know, let's say three to four weeks ahead of when the game is shipping out to people. So some of the stuff we're doing, we know like, okay, we will be tuning this and talking about where all the fine tuning we're doing on the physical components, we'll be doing on the digital components once those are out the door. So I don't have an answer for that yet. And we didn't mention, what will the app be available on? Uh, Android, iOS, it'll be in the Amazon app store. Okay. Uh, so it will not be on PC, not Steam? Oh, no, because you need you need Bluetooth, so that might be a bit pain. Yeah. Uh, the question is, does the Switch have Bluetooth? It does, because the controllers, yep. Mm-hmm. That'd, be, that'd actually be interesting on the Switch, because then you could dock it and play on a big screen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you can do that now, like, from your iPad, you can, what do you call it? Not AirDrop, the other thing. Apple Share. Whatever. Apple Share, Apple Share or something like that. Apple something. Yeah. I something. Wow, just so dismissive over branding. <laughs> From the man who brings you lawnmowers every week, suddenly you don't like another company having their branding. Apple TV Plus, there whatever. We go. <laughs> All right, gentlemen, it has been uh, wonderful as always. It seems like we always have you guys on around the beginning of the year. It's always uh, uh, fun to get you on because you've always got some exciting Kickstarter that you seem to do around this time every year. So I can't wait to see what you're going to announce, uh, I guess, at Gen Con this year and maybe coming to Kickstarter next year. Who knows? We don't because we're yeah. too busy, but we have thoughts. I believe you're talking about something after the Kickstarter. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and be sure to block on your calendars the Thursday at Gen Con so that you can come to the RDTN meet and greet, spaghetti warehouse, whatever, wherever we go, night. Just be sure to block that for us, please. Strike tournament. Strike that tournament. is uh, Thursday, July 30th. 2020. I've been there the last years. It's been a blast. I appreciate that. And if we don't get the restaurant this year, because people keep beating us to it, we will just have spaghetti in a big pot out in the street. We'll be good. We'll be golden. All right. That's a decision. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So uh, I guess we'll be seeing you guys hopefully sometime soon. I'll probably see you at a con or something like that. And uh, and don't sweat it next week. It's going to do fine. Return of the Dark Tower is going to be a huge success. People have been waiting on it. They've been asking for it for years. So you'll be just fine. I thank you. I will believe it when I see it. Winter is here in New England. The Patriots have lost. Everything is bad. <laughs> but, but pitchers and catchers report in like three or four weeks. So you're Five good. and a half. Hi, <laughs> right, Joan. Thanks so much. All right, thank you. Thanks.
It's 2020 and Portal Games hasn't announced anything yet because at the end of this month, they're going to do their big Portal Con where they're going to allow, announce a lot of new games. But Tony, I, we really don't have anything to announce right now because they haven't been announced yet. But they, but they have some great games in 2019 people still need to check out, right? Like Empire, uh, Empires of the North. Mm-hmm. And you still need you do still play the Japanese Islands expansion. It's good. I like it. I'm sure it is. I and, mean, you know, we missed an opportunity with Rob to talk about the detective expansion he's been working on. Dang it. Get him back on the phone. He won't mind. No, he won't. He was going to sleep after that interview. Or he may have been asleep during the interview. Anyway, we're talking about Portal <laughs> Games. That's PortalGamesUS.com. Be sure to go check it out in case that game was not under your holiday tree. So, Tony, in our last episode, you had this really, I thought, was very observant observation. How's that for wordsmithing right say, there? I'm the one that usually screws that up. Observant <laughs> observation. Wow. It's a very observant observation. You talked about whether people prefer tables or booths. (laughs) Yes, I did. You convinced me, and I believed it too, that women tend to prefer tables and men tend to prefer booths. Mm -hmm. So as a good engineer and scientist should do, you said, okay, we need to get a bigger sample here. So you posted a poll on our BGG Guild and just said, what do you prefer sitting at a restaurant? Booth or table? They totally proved our hypothesis was totally wrong. Oh, they did, which surprised the mess out of me. I thought for sure that it was going to be... 50-50. I thought more men were going to say tables and more women would say booths. But no, because 68% of the respondents said booths and 32% of the people said tables. And I believe there were more men that voted in this poll than women did. So, yeah, that totally throws that uh, theory out the window. Right. And it wasn't, by the way, somebody picked up my slack and that was Muffin Pop. Muffin Pup. I'm sorry. Muffin Pup posted out there this poll for us. Oh, I'm sorry. It is. I, I apologize. I thought it was you. You're right. It was uh, uh, Julia or BGG named Muffin Puppy. Muffin Puppy? I thought it was Muffin Pup. Muffin Puppy. Yeah. I'm looking at it right now. It's Muffin Puffy, and she has a very cute little German Shepherd as her avatar. Oh, look at that little puppy. And she has one of our micro badges. So thank you so much, Julia, for having our micro badge. Oh, and she's got a California bear and a secret cabal. Look at her in a crit, and it's 2020, crit time. But yes, I went and did a little more research on this. Mm-hmm. And when I was with the families that, you know, I used to do New Year's with, I was asking all the young gentlemen there and they all preferred booths as well. So it tells you uh, that's why we shouldn't make assumptions like this on this show. A A sample of two is never good. It never is. And I was just like, man, I am really surprised by that. I honestly thought it was going to be split right down the middle based on uh, sex, but nope. No, people are like, you guys are idiots. Uh, we prefer to sit in booths. Thank you very much. Or 68% of them did. Now, I know we just finished talking about big Kickstarter, Marty. All mm-hmm. right. Yeah. Yeah, I know. But Forbidden Games has one going on. If you haven't had They you, do. Yes, they do. They have a new Kickstarter out called Dungeon Party. I don't know why they're asking me to talk about it or mention it, but they're good friends of the show, and I want to do them justice, (laughs) because this is a social deduction game. Oh, my gosh. 
That is so funny. I don't know why they're asking me to talk about it. It's like, wow, we'll never ask you to talk about our games well, again. Well, well, Simon knows I'm not a fan of social deduction games. It's not a social deduction game. It is. That's what he says. Oh, my God. So, now, hold on. Stop. So, basically, you're promoting a game that you know nothing about. Well, maybe I'm wrong. I want you to go right now. Okay. I want you on your computer to go to Kickstarter page mm-hmm. for this mm-hmm. game mm-hmm. and look at this. Okay, I'm looking at it. Do you see what it is? Okay, maybe. Maybe I'm social deduction versus RPG-ish. <laughs> okay. All right. Okay, remember what I said about them never asking us to promote their game again? Yeah, it's for sure in stone now. I thought, oh, man, what am I doing? What is it? He sent me something else then. What else? I, I don't know, but at least I would have gone to the Kickstarter page and, and, and look, it's it's a social role-playing game. Maybe you saw the word social, social. and thought social deduction. Well, aren't all games about deducing something? So oh how gosh. am I? How am I wrong? Uh, everything is on a coaster, a bar coaster. Rooms, monsters, and treasures, and you take turns by bouncing a coin to try to hit the monsters and disarm traps. So you're chunk instead of like beer pong, you're chunking coins on the table and trying to get the. It's like playing quarters, okay? But instead of trying to bounce a quarter into a, a shot cup glass of beer, or a beer, yeah, yeah, or a shot, whatever, you're bouncing a coin and try to get it to land on a monster. And if you do, you do damage to it. Wait a minute, you are Mister Dexterity. I'm surprised. Wow, you should be all over this. But anyway, the concept is is you could take this out anywhere mm-hmm. at a bar, restaurant, whatever. And if you, again, there's a lot of previews of it out right now. They got a lot of the art's really good. A lot of different coasters. It looks really cool. You have all these tokens that you're you're chunking. Uh, different types of tokens. There's weapon tokens. So again, that's that's the concept. So you're a party of people going into a dungeon trying to defeat monsters, and you do it through bouncing coins on the cards. Something completely. Out of left field from them. Never saw this one coming, right? No, it is way out of left field. I just talked about one of my top games from 2019 was Raccoon Tycoon. Mm-hmm. This is nowhere anything near like <laughs> Raccoon Tycoon. <laughs> so go check that out. I'll have a link in our show notes about that. <laughs> and it's not a social deduction it's game. It's a social party. Fine. Well, this is a deduction. Who's going to hit the right monster bounce oh quarter? Okay. okay, fine. I can't save it. I screwed it up. Jeez, what's new for me? Hey, I'm starting off 2020 at batting a thousand. <laughs> Brand new decade. And we're yeah, we, we starting off just like we left off the last one. Whoa, now there's another debate. This is not a brand new decade. Well, here's the thing is I've got to go with what people have told me. I agree. And technically it's not because there was no year zero, but it doesn't make sense for a decade to run from 2011 to 2020 because you would call this the 20s. So I get, I mean, a decade could be any 10 years, right? A decade could be 2015 to 2024 if you want. You could. Yeah, absolutely. So basically it's not that. It's just, hey, we just finished a series of years and we came to the zero. Yes. And that that's it. But I had this argument with people and my son was getting upset at me. He's like, I'm tired of you talking about this. Just deal with it. It's the twenties. It's another decade. Just stop it. See, and then I go back to the argument. Okay. Do you start counting... At zero or one? I agree. The first decade was years one to 10. I agree. And then the second decade was 11 to 20. And and who was it that didn't have the zero? The Romans or the Greeks? Somebody didn't. Somebody didn't. Well, I blame them. I'm not blaming you. What do you mean they didn't have a zero? Nobody had a zero. Okay. There was never year zero. No, no, I'm not saying year year zero. In the numerical counting, there was no, if you look at Roman numerals, there is no zero. 
Wait a minute. There's not a zero? Not in Roman numerals. I have never realized that. So I Is that blame, true? Yeah, I Is somebody going to fact check me? There's, so there's no zero in Roman numerals? No. I mean, I've never seen it. Think about whenever you watch a TV show and you, because I know you do this because I do this and that's just how our minds work. When you see an old show, like I've been watching Hogan's Heroes, I will pause it so I can try to calculate when the TV show was produced. Here it is. The number zero does not have its own Roman numeral, but the word nulla, like null, mm-hmm. was used by medieval scholars in lieu of a zero. That's medieval. Romans were before the medieval. Well, I'm just saying that medieval people. Do you know what was on, on AMC the other day? Oh, my God. The Life of Brian. Really? They yeah. had to really cut that movie up then. Yeah, and I turned it on. <laughs> Where he was, he was uh, defacing the Colosseum with the graffiti. <laughs> oh my gosh! And he was telling them the right uh, how to conjugate verbs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the life of Brian. And then he comes back a hundred feet tall. And then the salute—I've forgotten the salute—the fist to the head. Oh, the life of Brian! If you haven't seen that Monty Python, that's that's my favorite over Holy Grail. Always has. Yeah. It's uh for its time it was very controversial. It's not very controversial anymore. Before its time it was. Oh my heavens! And I could just see them now. Today would be keep rolling dice <laughs> and taking names. Thanks for joining us for a brand new decade. We're, we're going to call it a decade and say it's the 20s. Everybody, make sure to follow us on Twitter at Dyson Names, Instagram, Dyson Names, and join us next episode where we're going to take a deep dive into our survey results. That's because you need an organizer. You need to take that new purchase and be sure to pimp it out with a... Oh, I can't say that word. Never mind. Sorry. <laughs> Miniature Market is starting off strong in 2020. If you missed it, they had a big sell for Asmo Day. They had 70% off on a whole bunch of games. Be sure to pay attention. Sign up for their newsletter. Newsletter. Go check out the drop. Who knows what else are coming? They may have more in store for you. You never do know what Steven's done over there at MiniatureMarket.com. They've got that game that you heard us talk about here, Little Devils. Be sure to check that one out. Or in the future, there may be a game that Marty talked about that I'm not even going to attempt to say again unless he wants to interject at this time. Letterpress? You can't say letterpress? I was thinking about the other one. Oh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I can say letterpress, thank you so much. <laughs> Which is available for pre-order for $15.19. I believe you're talking about Town Builder. Covorden. Covorden. And in the next episode, we're also going to be talking about a game that really knocked our socks off that I'm sure you'll be able to pre-order out there or is already out there. And that is going to be, I'm going to go ahead and tease it, Marty, for this commercial. Go ahead and do it. Give the full name though. Oh my gosh. Here we go. Do it. Masters of Renaissance, Lorenzo El Magnifico, the card game. Did I get in the right order? I got in the right order. There you go. That's it. Be sure to go check it out at miniaturemarket.com. Thank you.